You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE and ECW wrestler, The Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm Josh Chernoff, and he is The Blue Meanie, and today is a special episode, Meanie, because today is a full AMA, Ask Meanie Anything. I, I feel like... Um... This is like a special edition, like Golden Girls episode. <laughs> That's what we're striving for here. Yeah, uh, me and Mrs. Meanie were uh, we binge watch uh, the Golden Girls every night, and last mm-hmm. night, like every episode is like, you know, without commercials, like twenty minutes. And we're watching this episode, like, we're like, man, this is long, and we looked at it, and it was just like a, a special edition of uh, the Golden Girls that they made. They instead of like a half hour, they went at like. 60 minute broadway on it oh wow so i was like oh no well yeah, we're gonna have our own special episode we're recording tomorrow yep so uh th- yeah this is a uh, very special edition of uh mind of Demini. uh uh break and uh, break glass in case of an emergency episode of yeah mind of yeah so again to, to fill everybody in on what's happening here when the water breaks, the glass <laughs> breaks. <laughs> yeah, so um, we've got a we've got a due date uh, for my third child, and it is two weeks from now. Uh, from as we're recording this, we're recording this on June sixth. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, "Oh man, this crazy thing just happened in the world of wrestling," why aren't they talking about it? Well, that's why we right. uh, we recorded the um, I guess what is it uh, the June eighth episode. We recorded yesterday on June 5th. Now we're recording this Ask Me Anything episode. We're going to get a bunch of really great questions in here. We we have some awesome questions from the pod squad. Uh, But we're getting these in basically so when the baby comes, um, we know that we're still going to be able to bring you an episode uh, without having to go, oh man, how are we going to do this? Especially because of the quarantine uh, situation. When I go with my wife into the hospital... I am not allowed to leave or I can't come back. So uh, I'm going to be, and, and we thought about, Hey, maybe we do, you know, we could do like a, a baby Chernoff run in um, and we you know, just do it, <laughs> do it straight from the hospital. But I thought that that was not going to be good for my marriage. Um, so maybe it's, maybe it's just better that we, uh, that we do this ahead of time. Yes. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and what's cool about this is like, I will, it sounds like a joke, but it's serious. We go into this not knowing a clue of what we're going to say. Yeah, we do. You read the intro, and that's it. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, what's cool about this is, um, you know, if it, we're doing straight 
ask me anything throughout the whole thing. It's like we get to have like this outside influence of how the show's going to go. And, uh, it's a little bit, re- I, I, I dig it. It's, yeah. uh, it's refreshing. So, uh, you don't know what's good. Co- well, you, you know, as you read it, but I don't know what's coming. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. This should be fun. Yeah. I'm excited too. some really good questions. And, uh, it's always, always interesting to hear your take on this stuff and, and to see where that goes. You know, we don't know where we're going to go with this. And, uh, if this is a success, this, first uh ama episode um maybe that's something that we'll do down the line when it's not an in case of uh in case of emergency break water or whatever um so there's a new t-shirt uh that my wife would not be thrilled about so um let's begin uh it is time to ask me anything this first question comes from brett uh, Brettley916. Um, he asks, What is Bill Alfonso up to nowadays? I never see him at conventions or on podcasts. Do you have any good Bill stories that you can share? He was such an incredible character that is often overlooked. Uh, great question. So it's kind of like a two part question there. What's he up to nowadays? And do you have any stories? So, first of all, do you know what he's up to nowadays? Uh, yeah, I just reconnected with Bill not too long ago. Uh, me, him and, uh, Joel Gertner, uh, worked on the project together, like maybe three or four years ago. And he looks fantastic. Um, he's a, a proud grandfather now. Um, the, uh, he's a grandfather and it's kind of gave, given him like an extra boost of energy in his life, you know? Uh, he was always such a mellow person. No, to begin. <laughs> he really needed that extra boost of energy. Yeah, daddy. <laughs> um, uh, dude, he, uh, I don't know if it's, I think this is true. Uh, he, he, he does work with flipping, not flip, literally flipping cars, but he buys cars. Him and Braun Strowman just walk around flipping cars. Yeah. Braun. <laughs> Daddy, uh, Brondo. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a, there's a t-shirt in there too. And I'm, I'm trying to formulate it right now in my head. Yeah. All right. He, uh, <laughs> he'll go to like car auctions, buy cars, uh, clean them up, you know, fix them up. And oh, then cool. I think he, I think he resells them and, uh, you know, kind of like how people buy houses, flip houses, mm-hmm. which I'd like to see Braun do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, that's I, I think that's what he does. Uh, it could have changed over the time. Uh, I see him at conventions all the time, and sometimes uh, I can't believe I say this in 2020. But every now and then, me and, and Bill will text each other. Hmm. Um, but uh, no, nah, Bill's a fucking great guy, man. Um, you know, like I and Daddy, anytime you're in Florida, we'll go and have a lunch and. Uh, uh, any good Bill Alfonso stories? Um, I've dude, got, uh, oh, do you have one? I was gonna say I have one while you're thinking. Uh, you do. I I got one, but do you you do you first. Yeah, mine mine's not anything crazy, but it was just uh, stop stop underselling yourself. No, well, so this was uh, I want to say Hardcore Heaven '99 in Percocet, New York. Um, I went backstage with Bill Apter to help him out. Um, uh, 
at, at the pay-per-view fix, he was taking fix, fix fix his hair yeah just to just to make sure just to hold down the comb over um but yeah just it, i mean literally i was like carrying his bags in and like stuff like that but it was just awesome of him to bring me along and uh so i'm backstage at, at the this is the first ever ecw pay-per-view i was backstage at first ever ecw event i was backstage at and um that's actually how some people might know i i have a piece a triangular piece of the table from the Rob Van Dam Jerry Lynn match um, that Van Dam like handed to me after the show was over. I guess they were cleaning out under the ring and, you know, and it was this like triangular piece um, that apparently Van Dam has a scar from it. Um, he was telling me that like a year ago. So I had this piece of table and this is getting off topic, but I had this piece of table that they gave me and um, I just held onto it for like 20 years. I didn't know, you know what to do with it. And then I finally saw that, Van Dam and Jerry Lynn were both going to be at WrestleCon last year. And I knew I was going to be, and I knew it was New York. So I was going to be driving because when I'd seen Jerry Lynn at Starcast, he's like, Oh man, you should have brought the table. I could sign it. We take a picture. And I was like, yeah, man, but I flew, this is in Chicago. I can't fly with a giant piece of a, of a, a table. Um, so I threw it in my car. I brought it and I have this awesome picture, um, of uh, me and Van Dam and Jerry Lynn holding the table and the two of them That's signed awesome. it. So yeah, now I have it in my office, uh, like on display with the picture. Um, so I'll have to share that at some point, but it, it like for 20 years, anyone would like say to me, like, what are you doing with this table? And it was just, it was, had it been any other kind of shape, I don't think you would have been able to, uh, people would have believed it. But it was very clearly this triangular piece that flipped up and hit RVD in the face and like, busted open his lip. Um, but anyway, on that show or prior to that show, Bill Alfonso came up to me and asked if I could get RVD, uh, a cup of coffee. And he's like, Hey daddy, can you get a, uh, uh, Van Damme some coffee? And I'm like, yeah, this is terrible. Bill, Alf- Bill Alfonso. But I'm not, I'm just half-assing it. But, uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, sure, sure. I'm 15 years old at this time. I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And he's like, ask Van Damme what he wants. Van Damme says, lots of cream, lots of sugar. So right off the bat, remember in the, uh, uh, whenever you're listening to this, a few episodes for us, it was yesterday. We talked about the coffee cream ratio and the cream and sugar ratio. I was panicked because he goes, lots (laughs) of cream, lots of sugar. I don't, to me, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? Am I going to, am I going to come back? And he's going to go, what the hell is this? This is, you know, I can't drink this crap or, or he's going to come back and go, I told you lots of cream. What is this? This is, you know, just like a, so I was a little nervous about it. Um, and I went and ran around the entire building. There was no (laughs) coffee in the building anywhere. So now I'm like, well, how do I come back? And like, you know, so I came back and I go to like Bill Alfonso. I was like, so nervous. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I checked everywhere. I went upstairs. I checked all around. Like, there's no coffee anywhere. He's like, oh, that's fine. And I remember <laughs> I was like, so, and it like just completely moved on. RVD forgot about it, I guess. Um, but I always remembered that, like, that's, like I said, it's not a big Bill Alfonso story, but it was really the only interaction I've ever had with him. And I just right. remember it was like the most nerve wracking experience of my entire life. Uh, and when I came back, he was just like, oh yeah, no, that's fine. doesn't matter. Yeah. Did I buy you enough time to think of a Bill Alfonso story? Well, uh, Bill's smart, man. He, um, and this isn't the story yet, but uh, like, I want to put him over. 
not that I need to put him over. He's already over. Uh, but like when uh, WCW and New Japan were having that joint show, I think it was Flair versus Tatsumi Fujinami for the uh, world belt. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. And, and uh, Bill Alfonso was the referee. Yes. And, I know. And, yeah. and on his own, he went and got a referee shirt done that had both the American flag and Japanese flag. And when he put it on and the office saw it, they're like, oh, man, that's <laughs> like the Japanese office. Was like, oh, very, very good. Very good. And, uh, you know, I, I learned from Bill Alfonso to, well, over the years, whatever you do, always do something to change up your look a little bit. Mm-hmm. So not nothing drastic, but just something a little different. So then when people look at you, they go, what's different? Yeah. And then by the time they figure it out, they're enthralled in what you're already doing kind of thing, you know? Yeah. He, um, uh, I, I always wondered why he, not wondered why, but always wished that he would have gone uh, when they relaunched ECW, the WWE ECW. Um, one thing that I just thought was like really missing from the, the package with Van Dam was I thought that was the perfect opportunity to have Bill Alfonso back. Uh, I know he yeah. was like, he was there for the, um, uh, for like the uh, one night stand, but I would have loved to have just seen him back and, and blowing that whistle. And I could, I could imagine Vince McMahon on a headset hearing that whistle just from the stories I've heard of Vince McMahon. I've never met him, but I could imagine. Well, I watched Vince McMahon watch the Masato Tanako Mike awesome match from uh, in your, uh, not in your uh, house. From, uh, uh, one night, one night stand. I know it was one of those three uh-huh. letter, three word, <laughs> three word names from uh, one night stand, and he was just like, "Oh God, oh," you know, <laughs> when when they're like hitting each other with chairs and putting each other through tables. But yeah, um, one time, okay, um, one night, there's a uh, we we had already been kicked out of the travel lodge, the Cylinder of Sin <laughs> in South Philly, and for you to get kicked out of that fucking hotel. I mean, what the fuck did you do? Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that hotel was so bad. Um, but it's still there. Uh, we, we, we started staying at the uh, Holiday Inn on Packer Ave. It was called Holiday Inn Stadium mm-hmm. uh, because it was right near all the, you know, Eagles. But, you know, it was near Vet Stadium and then, you know, the Phillies ballpark since his bank park when they made that in Lincoln Financial Field. So it's always been Holiday Inn Stadium. Mm-hmm. And so we start staying there. And uh, what you call it? Uh, Bill, uh, Bill goes to check in at the, uh, the counter, check into the hotel. And there's some guy. Uh, and I mean, there's wrestlers everywhere, all this and that. Some guy who's also checking in decides to fucking mouth off the bill. And he goes... <laughs> Ah, you do that wrestling, ah, that fake shit. I bet I could kick your ass. Wow! Not knowing that everybody around him knows Bill and like, <laughs> everybody's friends with Bill and shit like that. So, fuck it. Bill goes, "Yeah, Daddy, why well, back kick your fucking ass or whatever, <laughs> something like this." So, and I wish we gotta get my buddy Sebastian on here. He he was there. He saw. He know this. He knows this story way better than I do. But they they start throwing hands, and then like these fans, uh, not these fans, the, the the boys saw somebody going after Fonzie 
well, all fucking hell broke loose and everybody started fucking, everybody jumped this guy because they saw him taking a swing at Bonzi. So it spills to the outside. The guy was checking in, so he left his car out. You know, when you pull, check into a hotel, you leave your car there, you check in, you go park and then you bring your bags in. Mm -hmm. This was that situation. And the guy's getting his ass beat and he's, 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 he's retreating back to his vehicle (laughs) So he goes inside the, the, the car to drive away. Tracy Smothers hops in on the passenger side seat, stands on the passenger side seat, and starts punching the guy in the face like rock'em, sock'em robots. Like, do, 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 do. And the guy's like, oh, my God, my God. And the guy, you know, he got down. The guy speeds away. So <laughs> Fonzie incited a mini riot, maybe. Um, I, I wouldn't blame Fonzie on that one, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. It, it technically involves everybody, but, <laughs> um, yeah, Fonzie, like, uh, I, Fonzie knew I was a, a big fan of Andre the giant. And, uh, he, I have this eight by 10 in my house of a, he, he gave it to me because, you know, a, we're good friends, but he refed an Andre the giant match. And he gave me an eight by 10 of him in the ring with Andre the giant, which, I thought it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it was from Florida or something. You know, when Andre, when he, uh, when Al- Bill Alfonso had the Afro, he was Afro Fonzie for a little bit there. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he, uh, holds that experience in the same regard as he holds the, uh, being chloroformed by Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 9. Oh my God. Look at you with the uh. deep fucking reference. <laughs> Holy shit. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and Fonzie's a tough motherfucker too. Um, I've seen you know matches where people try to jump in the ring and Fonzie will hop on top and fucking mm. choke a choke a fucker out. <laughs> yeah, as, and that's that's the funny thing you know about these refs. You know, a lot of them are t- like you know Brian Hildebrand was pretty fucking tough too. Mm. You know, there, I, uh, I remember I don't remember exactly what match it was, but I remember there is a video out there of somebody trying to get into the ring with Brian Hildebrand and him just. Just whooping that ass, like he's just like it was no joke at all. Like I don't yeah. think the wrestlers even had a chance to get a shot in because yeah, Brian Hildebrand was, was on he, top of them. He was on the guy before security got there. Mm-hmm. And, and and if anybody not familiar with the name Brian Hildebrand, his his I think his ref name was Mark Curtis. Yeah, uh, was it? Yeah, yeah it was Mark so. Curtis. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, another guy gone way too soon. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, guys like Fonte was like a tough motherfucker. Like uh, he could hold his own, and he took shit. For, he really didn't. He really took shit from nobody, you know. And he was yeah. he was a, you know, a leader, and uh, somebody I actually learned a lot from too. Like I said with that one example of always change up your look slightly to keep people guessing, and that'll make people more invested in you as a character and as a, you know, as a persona. And, and it's. And I don't remember the exact, I'll look it up what he said here. Um, often overlooked, an incredible character that's often overlooked. And I, I, I think that's so true. If you think back to, you know, I mentioned him being a piece of the puzzle with like Rob Van Dam and Sabu. But prior to that, when he was with Taz, he was, his uh, constant movement and motion and the, and the, uh, the whistle and the loudness of Bill Alfonso was such a, like a beautiful juxtaposition with Taz with the arms crossed, just standing in the corner. And it was, uh, uh, it just worked so well. And I, I, yeah, I mean, Bill Alfonso definitely, you, you, you can't 
you can't not give him credit for what he gave to that and what he gave to Sabu uh, and Van Damme and what he gave to that feud when he jumped yeah. ship, you know, when he jumped from Taz to Sabu, that was a, that was a monumental moment in that feud. Um, and yeah, so I do think he's overlooked a lot in the, who can things. stop the path of rage? Who can stop the <laughs> path of rage? Who can stop the path of rage? You know, yep. Fonzie bouncing, you know, Fonzie throwing a headlock on the top rope, blowing the whistle on this fucking going <laughs> ape. And he was like uh, Taz's Don King or something like that. Just, he was just uh, great. Dude, he, he, he was, yeah, well, the, the whistle, hearing it every night could be a bit <laughs> But then again, he's doing his job yeah. because. You know, if you could work the boys into a, a, a fever, you could work the fans into a fever, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but that man. was very, that was reminiscent of like the Jimmy Hart with the megaphone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, um, yeah, like you said, he had, I, the word that comes to mind is frenetic energy. Mm-hmm. It was just this frenetic ball of energy that was bouncing around ringside where I think, I mean, Taz would have been successful anyway. Uh, oh, talent, yeah. promos, stuff like that. But I think uh, Taz was like the the bow on top of that package. So it just and meshed then, so well. And then you know, like this, how do you, you know they had the big, you know, at, at Barely Eagle they had the they built up the Taz Sabu match for a year. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's it. They had the match. What do you do to have another issue to carry on? that feud you know like i said me and nova working fbi every night and we're you know we're having fun matches what can we do to have it have another issue to keep it going so i propose them just jumping us up jumping us leaving us laying bloodied mm-hmm. you know and with that we wound up having a whole nother couple months worth of matches so with uh, taz and sabu that match you know they they had the year build up they have this 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 match on the, our first ever pay per view. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what? Let's have Fonzie turn on Taz, join Sabu and Rob Van Dam, and that just breathed life back into the feud for yeah. however long that was. After that, it was is brilliantly done, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you know, Fonzie was the catalyst for helping keeping that feud going. Yeah. Um, you mentioned barely legal. Uh, and that brings us to a, a great question right here uh, from at Pocket Spore 420. Phenomenal name. Uh, <laughs> memories of Barely Legal? Oh, I mean, man. Where, where, do you, where do you even start with that, right? You've got to have a ton of memories from that. Uh, just the whole buildup, man. And the uh, that, just the roller coaster ride building up to Barely Legal because – there was always this carrot that was being dangled that we're eventually going to do pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Paul's always talking about we're going to do pay-per-view, pay-per-view, pay-per-view. That way we can, you know, uh, expand our audience, make more money, all that good stuff. And then um, there, was initial, there was an initial date set that we were told in a, in a locker room meeting. And then, unfortunately, the... Uh, whole mass transit thing happened mm-hmm. and uh, I don't, we don't have to dive into that i've said what i have to say about that until i have to say it again but um you can just direct yeah. people from now on anytime you do a shoot interview or anything you can just direct them to whatever episode that was yeah mind of the meanie 
yeah, there was no winners in that situation. But um, that that got us shut down because some of the sheet writers uh, went and stooged it off to the cable company that was going to sign us. Oh, did you know about this? Yeah, so some of the, uh, you know, there's reporting in the news and then making the news happen. So uh, that being said, the pay-per-view was off for a second. And uh, thank God for Tony Lewis and the folks at uh, Strictly ECW, which strictlyecw.com was a, a ECW fan site, uh, not affiliated with the company at all. It was just straight up wrestling fans, ECW fans, uh, wanting us to succeed. And, uh, Tony, it was Tony Lewis, uh, Buck Woodward, Mike Johnson, and a few other people. I apologize if I forget names here. Um, and the, the same group of people wound up helping me when I got my release, uh, from WWE the first time they did start a save the meanie campaign, which, uh, you know, Vince Russo told me they, you know, they gave out uh, WWE's emails and <laughs> phone numbers to say, hey, we want the Blue Meanie back. And Ventrusa straight up said they shut down the email service. <laughs> they were just inundated with emails and calls. So, you know, that helped Vince go, hmm. You know, he raised an eyebrow to that and was like, huh, maybe we'll give him a second chance. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the strictly ECW dudes saved ECW's pay-per-view. And, uh, when we announced the pay-per-view, uh, you know what, go on, um, if you're listening to this, go on the high spots network. I put over this documentary before, uh, and I'll put it over it again. It's on the high, it's streaming on the high spots network called barbed wire city is one of the most underrated ECW documentaries. There is there's it's really, it's really good. I've yeah. seen it. It's really good. And I, I call it the, uh, the hardcore trilogy. It's, uh, there's three ECW documentaries. All are great and all come from different points of view and all are great companion pieces. And the funny thing is about barbed wire. I know, I know you asked me about the uh, barely Eagle, but this is getting back to that. Um, hey, it's mind of the meanie. This is just cause yeah. it's an AMA. This is what everybody wants. We want to dig one question digs into so many answers. It's awesome. My brain my thoughts are just to fly bouncing around in the Mason jar. It's just, <laughs> uh, just trying to get out. Um, yeah. Barbar city, uh, they, they actually started filming that before ECW closed and all that stuff. But in, uh, what was the, what was I saying? Barbar city. There's they a... talk up. Oh, they show a clip. Uh, cause they, uh, license a lot of footage from, uh, RF video, uh, who has all the fan cam footage, you know, when ECW announced Paul E announced in Brooklyn, I mean, uh, Queens that we were going to do the, uh, ECW barely legal. And he said, there's one man to thank Paulie pointed out Tony Lewis in the crowd. And, you know, that's, he said him and strictly ECW got us back on the pay-per-view and Paulie got out of the ring and gave him a big old hug. And they, you know, and this actually, I think made it to ECW TV too, because there's, you know, the fan cam footage. And then like you see the ECW, you know, uh, TV cameras there, Mm -hmm. you know, focusing in on Tony as well. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Tony and, uh, strictly sub, you saved the pay-per-view. And then from that point it was on, 
you know, and then uh, how do we promote this? And that's when uh, I said the story before. I'm sitting at home, sitting on my floor <laughs> watching my Night Night Raw, and Paulie calls into Raw, and you know, uh, back up. There's a fan in the crowd at Raw holding an ECW sign, and Jerry Lawler rips it up. And he, you know, cuts a promo about ECW. You know, however long later, Paulie calls in. You know, issue. You know, how dare you? And issue a challenge. And then Jerry Lawler goes, "Ah, you're gonna show up next week. Who are you gonna bring? The Blue Meanie?" And I'm just sitting at home going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thank God I wasn't drinking anything at the time. I probably would have mood have missed it my TV. But uh, it's like, yeah, what the fuck? And then uh, we go to the show the next week at uh, where I think I want to say we're in. Jim Thorpe, but wherever our show was that next week, Paulie pulled, you know, the BWO side. He pulled certain towns aside, say, "You're booked this Monday for Monday for Raw," uh, and then we all, you know, I was like, "Thank you," and then we got all the information. And like I said, we uh, we all pulled up to Tommy Dreamer's house uh, the morning of uh, ECW invading Raw. And it was like eastbound and down, you know. It was like the the cannonball run. We were all going driving down to uh, the Manhattan Center to uh, promote Barely Legal on WWE TV. So um, it's funny when you you've told that that whole story on the podcast yeah. before, and I remember my brother telling me when he was listening to it, he, saying like he's like that was one of my top favorite memories in wrestling of all time was the ECW invasion on, on raw. And he loved hearing the behind the scenes, not to cut you off from any more behind the scenes you're going to share that. I no, just, uh, no. I don't, you know, I just wanted to bring that. I don't think I ever even told you that off air. Um, but I mean, it was one of my favorites as well. And I think that like, it was so for people who have only heard about it or seen it years later, or watched these documentaries, but didn't experience that live, man, what, what an amazing and again i'm sorry for interrupting with this but i just i think about it's a conversation i know but i (laughs) just i I think about that that invasion and it's just it is one of my like favorite memories it was just so cool to see ecw show up uh and to see the bwo show up that night and to think about how long raw's been around and like they always do these top raw moments and it Mm -hmm that's up there with one of them, you know, it's, it's at least in the top 10 of like ECW showing up on raw. And, and if it's not, it's revisionist history. Um, Yeah. I wish, you know, how like they do that thing where they record people reacting to this stuff. (laughs) I would love to be on the fly on the wall of the house of somebody who's never heard of ECW, seen ECW and just watch this happening on their television. Like, you know, just to, you know, be a fly on that wall and see. You know, what was interesting, though, with when you guys showed up, ECW, for as much as people would think back to ECW as this, like, dark, gritty, you know, uh, product wrestling, when you guys showed up, you were very colorful. Um, yeah. Like, literally, I mean, very colorful, be it the BWO or Taz coming out there with the orange um, or the Eliminators coming out. They had, you know, like uh, the Dudleys with the tie-dye. Like there was really, so I, I'm, I always like thought like, oh man, what would people be thinking if they'd never heard of ECW? And here comes the, you know, the real hardcore. But you showed up and 
the characters were so... I've always felt that people, you know, after ECW went out of business, there were so many companies that tried to be the next ECW. And all they ever tried to be was the blood and guts of ECW. Right. And they missed that. I think what made ECW so big was that they had, they, they kind of almost tricked you into not realizing that they had the over the top characters that the WWF had. Like they, they had that, they had that presentation and then they had the other stuff merged together. And I think people sometimes sleep on the fact that ECW was so unbelievably character driven in my opinion. And I'll say this, uh, like I hear people talk about ECW, some well-known people who might have their own podcasts, uh, you know, talk about ECW's blood and guts and blah, 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 blah. I was there for three years and, uh, I think a lot of people see the sizzle reel mm-hmm. of ECW, you know, the commercial of ECW. Uh, oh, they didn't show all their matches. They covered up their weaknesses and all this stuff. Well, no, ECW still had home videos to sell. You know, if if you wonder, you know, they, we put matches on TV, but we didn't show the whole match because we wanted people to still buy the VHS. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, why give it away for free? Yeah, we're giving we're giving it the highlights, and uh, you know, that's another thing that makes no sense. Hey, if you if you you were not a real fan or you're lying to yourself. If you, if you did not at one point sit there and go, I should really buy that thing of, of the night that Kimono Wanalea danced atop the ECW arena. I will never forget that commercial because they made you just go like, I don't know what happened or how much of, of, uh, of her clothing came off, but I feel like this is something that I need to check out. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, <laughs> uh, okay. Here's a little inside baseball on that. Uh, thing with the kimono dancing on top of the sub arena. Uh, anybody who's seen it, you watch it, and then some, some hand somewhere during the course of her dancing mm-hmm. atop of the sub arena, uh, you see because uh, that wall behind her is all drywall, and there's like boy, some of the boys, you know, punched holes in it so <laughs> they can stand behind the drywall and watch the matches without people going, Hey, I'm over sure. here. So a hand comes out through the drywall with a dollar bill for Kimona, you know, tipping uh-huh. her for the dance. That was Scotty Riggs from WCW. Oh, wow. Who, who came by. <laughs> Scotty Riggs was at the sub arena that night. He came by to watch the show. I don't know why he was in Philly. Mm-hmm. Maybe just that, maybe it was just him and Raven were, were boys. So mm-hmm. maybe they're hanging out. So that night at the sub arena, fucking Scotty Riggs. Who's under contract to WCW shows up uh, as a hand model. He sticks his hand through <laughs> and fucking tips Kimono one LA while she's dancing on top of the ECW arena. I I decided to get that thought out of my head. Can but, I tell uh, you? I don't know how how old I was by the time I realized Kimono one Alea. Like what that I was like, oh, I guess that's not really her name. And I uh, yeah. I put it together and, and I, I said it you know fast a couple of times. I was like, oh man, I felt pretty stupid. But I was pretty young, you know, when that but, but, stuff was going they, on. Young impressionable but, youth. And they that was you know, I want to say they got it from uh, Wayne's World when they're like doing oh. the, when they're doing the hey we're in Delaware yeah. hey we're in what. And and there's a, that scene. Oh, where the like, Hawaii one. Yeah, come on, you want to lay me? You know, he says the come on, you want to. 
he, whatever he says before that, and then Mike Myers goes, "Come on, you want to lay me or whatever, dude." I so, never. Komono want to lay you. I don't think I ever got that. I am a huge yeah. Wayne's World fan. Yeah. But I was a young kid, and I some of those things went over over my head. Yeah, um, like I said, man, Raven was brilliant for that for just using outside influences. Yeah. Like you know the Dudleys being taken from Slapshot. Oh yeah. And then uh, Kimono Wanalea was from Wayne's World. And then Ball, he gave Balls Mahoney the name. You know, you know uh, he was supposed to be like the, the last name Mahoney from uh, what's his name? Steve Gutenberg's character, mm-hmm. Mahoney. And uh, just Balls, Balls. Mahoney. <laughs> yeah. Because he had and, just seen you in the shower. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Um, not, but, just a good, it's a good thing me and Nick Foles were never a tag team. We, we, <laughs> We'd be the most destructive tag team. <laughs> Me with my balls and big dick neck, you know. Oh, just, man. Uh, but you um, know the uh, but Raven also his character at that time period. He you know he was coming up with all these things for other people, but he just tapped into that grunge rock, uh, yeah. Nirvana. You know that that time period that Kurt Cobain. You know, um, he just tapped into that and was. He just felt so real. He would sit there wherever they, you know, the stairs or wherever it was where he'd cut his promo. And he just felt so real. It was one of those things where, you know, I remember telling Taz one time that like, you know, I used to, when I would watch Taz, he was one of those guys where I'd go, okay, yeah, I know what's going on in wrestling. I get what's happening, but oh shit, Taz is going to kill you. You know? And like Raven was one of those where you're just like, you would just feel as a fan, like it's not so much a promo as it is some dude who's really just going through some shit, you know? And like, it was, he just did such an amazing job with that character, an amazing job, just, you know, providing people like yourself with a name or a character, something that just worked for them. Raven was just a student of the game. Um, He was a fan as a kid growing up in Florida he would go to Florida Championship Wrestling, and then, you know, he, he you know, got into business. He started at the Monster Factory, and then uh, worked Memphis. He worked Portland. He worked all these different places. Had all these different influences. You know, like I said, when you break into business, you're truly not one person student, but mm-hmm. you, you start somewhere, and then you, you're like a snowball. You accumulate knowledge as you roll down the hill. So, um, so back- he's always been he's always been a student of the game. But so. back to since I took you for a, a a ride around town, but back to uh to barely legal. Uh, before we answer- get back to barely oh, yeah. legal, no, that's I'm, fine. I'm, if you have I'm, some, I'm, I'm, I'm a, no, I'm a little parched, oh. so uh, I got my uh, seltzer here. Hold on, mm, there it is. So I have been drinking, and then I want to know what you're drinking right now. I have from uh, Panera Bread. I have some black iced coffee. Um, Me and Mrs. Meanie call it Pantera Bread, dude. So I was a part of a. Uh, of a web series for a number of years. And actually to pat myself on the back, I uh, was nominated for an IAW TV award for best male performance in a comedy, but eh, it's neither here nor there. Uh, But since you brought it up, uh, but the, uh, in that show, there was one thing where my character who was in real estate, just like in real life and uh, was supposed to like wrote the wrong thing. And it was Pantera bread as (laughs) like, so that was something that I, uh, 
I think of that because of of that script. I think of that all the all the time when I go to Panera. But so that's kind of funny. Uh, yeah. And I just managed to be able to shoehorn a way of getting myself over. Uh, but I have <laughs> I have my seltzer as well. So while I crack this open, why don't you tell us what you're drinking today? Oh, uh, I am. Uh, I, one day I'll eventually get this fucking name down. It's uh, pure aqua, mm-hmm. uh, Bellevue, and it's passion fruit. Ooh. So my uh, fruit is very passionate with wow. my seltzer here. Oh, shout out to Bill Wiles, too. Uh, ECW, Bill Wiles, uh, Bilvis Wesley. Uh, he was Boogaloo Bill Wiles with me and Nova for a little bit. He uh, texted me. Not only did he go out of his way and buy a Mind and the Meanie shirt. Thank you very much. Which you didn't have awesome. to do that. I would I would just gave you one. But uh, thank you. I love you. Uh, he texted me this morning going, yeah. And he sent me a photo of him holding his seltzer. He's like, you guys turned me on the seltzer. So, Oh, man. And that, yeah. that is so awesome. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Bless you. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I'm having a uh, black cherry just, vanilla, which I think I may have had on air before. No. Uh, I don't know. Black uh, cherry vanilla. It's, it's delicious, though. Dude. Yeah. What, what kind of – what brand uh, is it's, it's Wegmans. I really, you know – I, I just go to fucking I, Wegmans. Well, so the thing is, that's where we do our shopping of Wegmans right down the street. And uh, ever since the apocalypse started and my wife being pregnant, I have been doing all the food shopping because I just didn't like the idea of her being, you know. Right. Uh, not that that makes any sense. It's like, I'll go, it, ca- I'll go catch the coronavirus and bring uh, it home to her. But, you know. And, um, and then the baby comes out like in space balls. Hello, my baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So now that I'm, you know, I used to always just say to her, like, you know, she would pick up some seltzer and she was always just like, she's the one who got me into it because I hated seltzer. And we talked about this once before where it was like, uh, I was doing the keto diet, which was just brutal. But the one thing that I kept from there was I stopped drinking. I used to always have like a Coke Zero or something like that. I stopped drinking that and started drinking seltzer. And now, like you had mentioned before, they've come out with, there's like a million I tweeted out a, a picture of yeah. um, like th- this whole selection uh, I almost at Wegmans. Fl- I almost I almost flagged it as porn. Oh uh, man, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it. it, it I, I wanted to quote something, but it was I was just stealing it from the Major Wrestling Figure podcast. I was going to say it was H A R D as soon as I uh, <laughs> as soon as I saw that. But that's theirs. That's theirs. They have their their merchandise. Hey man, we love those that. guys too. Oh, so. they're awesome. Um, but yeah, so, uh, black cherry vanilla is what I'm drinking here. I'm trying, we talked about this on, on yesterday when we were recording, uh, I'm trying to have something new each time. And I feel like this is going the way of my ties where and I like I wanted to have I a new, what's I don't appreciate the pressure, man. I know you're putting pressure on me to put pressure myself too. It's, okay. it's terrible. <laughs> no, I, you know what I was, when I started doing the uh, pro wrestling report, which, um, because of the baby coming, I, I'm taking a hiatus from that. Uh, so if anyone's listening and watches that, there's no heat. We didn't have a falling out. Uh, I just told them that it's it's uh, scheduling is getting tough because I have to help get my kids to bed and stuff. Um, but I love doing that show. Um, Absolutely. But when Absolutely. I was doing that, I was doing it every week. And my first thought was like, oh, that's great. I got all these ties I never wore. This will be fun. And then it was like, you know, six weeks later, I'm like, dude, I'm – I'm out of ties. I don't, I'm going to have to start recycling. And I feel like that's what I'm doing with the, uh, the black cherry vanilla here. Like I'm pretty sure this is, 
made an appearance before. And if it hasn't, I'm sure it will again. So you're, you're doing the Bill Alfonso method where you kind of have to do something a little different each time. So people go, huh? Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, we do. We got to get Bill Wiles on here sometime. He, dude, he was not only did he wrestle in ECW, he did ring crew and he's got stories. And uh, that's what we want. You know, we've talked about never wanting to yeah. have guests. We want co-hosts. Not ga- co-hosts. Yeah. Not guests. We, yeah. we, we will definitely do that. And I think the first time that we will do something like that is going to be when we hit 500 subscribers that's- on youtube.com slash mind of the meanie. So if you're listening to this, go subscribe. Uh, all you need is I think like a Gmail account. Um, so even if you're like never on YouTube, but want that go on there. Cause you're going to, you're going to want to watch this. Uh, we've got a lot of fun ideas and a lot of people who can pop on for a little, uh, you know, co-hosting uh, segment or two on the show. So I think that'd be a lot of fun, but, uh, but barely legal meanie. Um, cause we're 47 minutes in or something. And, uh, I think this is the second question, which is awesome. This is what I was hoping was going to happen. Uh, and, uh, my apologies to the guy who answered the question. He's like, yeah, seltzer fucking great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I wrote in for. Yeah. He's like, I seltzer. asked about, I asked about barely legal and somehow I'm learning about different brands of seltzer. These fucking douchebags are talking about <laughs> seltzer. I will say if not barely legal, if seltzer, man, seltzer. <laughs> we're talking about seltzer. We're talking about seltzer. seltzer. Well, come on. We're not, talking, we're talking about not, not beer, not coffee. Seltzer. But we're talking about seltzer. And now anyone who's like not a Philly sports fan is listening to this going, the hell are they talking about? Yeah, today's the anniversary of Iverson stepping over that dude in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> so um, seltzer. Talking dude, about fucking seltzer. The playoffs were, uh, I mean, that, year, that 2001 um i had mentioned before that was my senior year of high school and that was like dude we would just get together every game we had our rally towels which i actually found my rally towel in my basement uh like two days ago i was looking through a box for something and there was my my sixers rally towel Mm. Um, awesome but yeah so uh anyway barely barely (laughs) barely legal which is which 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 has been which has been barely answered yeah Uh, (laughs) um yeah, dude. Um, that whole that weekend was. Uh, I mean, we we're excited, but we were nervous. Uh, you know, um, and thank God for I got a chance to do that Monday Night Raw because I got a, a feel for live TV. I've mm-hmm. been doing TV, but it was recorded and trimmed for time. So you had to, you know, we're now in the business of sticking to our time cues. You know, I mean, we never really broke them you know, on shows and stuff like that. But did, uh, did the fact that you, TV's a whole different animal. Did the fact that you had done raw right before help in any way? Cause I know like for me, there have been times, uh, like pre, like I did that live, uh, fight and focus for, uh, for AEW dynamite with all like the AEW talent before like two hours before their debut dynamite show. And mm-hmm. that was probably the most nervous I have ever been doing something. Yeah. But what came from that is every interview, every anything that I've gotten a little nervous about beforehand. Since then, I have been able to just kind of like in my mind go like, this is not as nerve wracking as doing this live 
uh, you know, before one of the, what could go down in history is like one of the biggest nights in wrestling and all, you know? Um, yeah. so that was, that has always helped moving forward. By the time you got to barely legal, the fact that like, was there any party that was just like, Hey, I ran out and did a segment on Monday night raw for the WWF. I can handle this. I could like, was there any of that thought or were you still just like, Nope, I'm nervous as all hell with this. Oh, I was still nervous, but okay. it, it, it did help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we did Raw, like I said, we were waiting to do our entrance and we're standing there in the command center while they're doing the uh, show live. And they're like, who are these three dickheads <laughs> behind us? You know, we're like, hey, we, we were told to stand here, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, that whole night at Raw, I just stood at the monitor and watched and, you know, learn, you know, trying to pick up pointers and tips on. I stood there and watched them do live promos backstage and mm-hmm. shit like that, you know. They might have done one with The Undertaker during a uh, one of the matches and uh, something like that. They had the makeshift um, promo area. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to sit there and watch everything. You know, I, it was a while before I even got changed because once we we watched the show, we went and did our part. I went back and watched the rest of the, the show. Just trying to take notes, mental notes. And uh, um, that can I? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting this poor guy who asked this question, uh, but I'm ke- you keep making me think of different things. Um, just before we get to Barely Legal, being backstage there versus, and I'm sorry if I asked this on the other episode. I don't remember. We don't remember anything we talk about on this show. But uh, what? how different was the production and the backstage environment um, from that first experience with the ECW invasion on raw to when you then signed with WWE and or WWF and you were on raw to then your like return in 2000, I, I want to say 2005 to WWE. I think you were on SmackDown though for that, but still the, the same idea. Like what, um, obviously there's the change from being in an arena versus being in the Manhattan center. But like these, you, you had the opportunity to be backstage uh, and watch these shows being produced at very different times in wrestling from the, you know, the early days of raw to the prime attitude era of raw. And then to the, you know, uh, uh, ruthless aggression era, which I guess is what they're calling it now. Um, were there a lot of differences? Um, I would say we, when we went there for Raw, ECW Evasion of Raw, mm-hmm. um, and then I went back in nine. Well, the Raw was ninety-seven, and then I went back. I signed with I think yeah, it was ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, fact check me, please. <laughs> um, and then I, I signed with them in ninety-eight. It was basically the same. You know what? 97, when I think about it, it feels earlier because they went back to the Manhattan Center. Right. So it right. feel it feels like that was so much so much earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when I went back in 2005, it was, it was a bit different in the fact that, <clears throat> uh, you know, if a typical day at WWE TV, like 97, uh, and then when I went back in 98, it's just basically uh, – if they had something that they, you know, people would, the arena was basically empty. They had the Titantron going and, uh, you know, they would run just test videos to make sure everything was working and stuff like that. Or if they had to do promos at ringside, like, 
I remember uh, Big Show doing the uh, a promo in the the stands when they were doing the boss man angle with and saying mm-hmm. his father died of cancer. You know, they emptied out. You know, they had everybody quiet, and he filmed that up in the seats or something like that. But the, for for the most part, the arena was just. I mean, it was you know the same. It was run the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, when back in two thousand five, they would do would do like a literal run the show run through, where like. All right, segment one, we're going to do this. And people would have a, like just a walkthrough of stuff hmm. like like a TV show where, you know, uh, you know, hit your marks kind of thing, you know, where like, all right, we'll do this with that. Because like when I did the whole JBL thing, uh, when I came back, we did a, a walkthrough where we actually came out of the uh, limo and came out. And oh, wow. JBL said his thing, we said our thing, and stuff like that. So, and uh, at one night stand, that's the that's the funny thing. It's like, you know, we kind of did a run through of that whole thing where the guys face off with each other mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, two thousand five, it was it seemed a little bit more. And I hate to say it's rehearsed. Uh, yeah, hey, I mean- but. Back in the day, people were like, oh, wrestling's fake. They rehearse. Mm-hmm. And then when it wasn't, but eventually it grew into this thing where it, it became the th- it, it became the urban legend that mm-hmm. it never was. You know what I'm saying? we never There was never scripts. There was bookers. And you guys called it in the ring. And now, you know, flash forward, you know, there's scripts and people are practicing in the ring. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, son of a bitch. You know, they talked it into existence. And like, uh, I know, uh, uh, I don't know what, I think it was BR Live. Um, they they showed uh, Moxley and um, uh, Brody Lee walking through their match yeah. uh, prior to going on the air. They like, they like, I guess, did a test feed and the two of them are in the ring just walking through their match. And that's, I mean, thank, thank God it's 2020. Because some, something like that uh, could have killed the business, uh, you know, 20 plus years ago. But um, which, is iron- which is ironic. Wasn't Stossel on 2020 exposing the business? Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> man. It's like an Illuminati uh, thing, right? Isn't that like where everything's all tied together? I don't really yeah. understand. I don't understand the Illuminati. Um, but uh, and I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. But no, that's man. Conspiracy theories here. Uh so anyway, I'm going to lay out and let you talk barely legal. I have one more barely legal question that I'm going to ask at the very end of you answering. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, fuck. Uh, yeah, dude, we were just so nervous. Like I said, that raw helped. Uh, but, I mean, there's still, still nerves. If you watch that BWO entrance, I'm like, uh, I look like I, you know, I don't think Red Bull wasn't a thing back then. I, I don't, at least I don't think so. Don't fact check me. I think it was cocaine. Uh, for the yeah. Most part. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I'm kidding. Dude, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> the world's fattest cokehead coke over yeah, there. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank God I never did that shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I looked like I was out of my mind with all this energy. And, you know, everybody was just amped up. And, you know, there's a lot of nerves, too, because... First time live, sticking to time cues, and I told the story. You know, we're out there ringside, and 
you know, there's a point in that three-way dance with Stevie, uh, Terry Funk, and Sandman where Todd Gordon comes out. He's like, tell him to go home. Tell him to go home. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. <laughs> and he's like, and you see uh, Rocky, uh, Bob Ortiz's brother on the headsets, you know, trying to, you know, give him a little Iggy, like putting a pen in his mouth or wiggling uh-huh. his tongue, like, go home. And I'm, you see me, like, I kind of switch positions at ringside a couple times because I'm trying to lean in going, we're running low on time. Take it home and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, because everything was just like freeform before, and they, you know, you know, if it w- went a little long, you know, they they tr- they fixed it in post. But uh, uh, and then you know that, that there was a whole weekend with the Terry Funk banquet the night before, mm-hmm. um, and I had a moment where, uh, and I have to apologize. Well, I kind I apologize to the guys already, but uh, like uh, at the Terry Funk banquet the night before, I was there, and. Um, I guess they were going around to different guys. Hey, did you want to say something about Terry? And, um, like Joey goes up, Hey, you want to say something about Terry? And I just like kind of froze. I was like, me, <laughs> me say anything. Who am I to say anything about the, you know, my, <laughs> position, my, my position was, uh, who am I to say anything about Terry funk? He's Terry fucking funk. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the man's a legend. And here I am, like some schmuck, you know, gonna <laughs> two, two, two or three years in the business. I'm gonna say something about Terry Funk that hasn't already been said, or you know, I felt self conscious. Right. That's my point. So uh, we go up there as the uh, BWO and uh, as a Terry Funk banquet the night before, barely legal. And um, Stevie said something, and then Nova said something, and this is on. Uh, I think it's online, but then they go to walk away because they, I had said, I didn't have anything to say. And then I went, Oh shit, I'm just going to say something. So I walk up to the mic and they start walking away and then they walk back and I kind of felt bad. Cause I, I think I made them look bad, <laughs> but, uh, I said, so I kept it short, simple, sweet. And, uh, you know, gave my thank yous to Terry. And on, but I, on that so, night, Nova yeah. vowed. To get you back one day. <laughs> Nova, the fucking goddamn <laughs> Cowboys fan. Uh, dude, Nova is a Cowboys fan, and its identical twin brother, Donnie B, is a fucking Giants fan. So I would love to have been in that house on a Sunday watching them <laughs> watch the ball. Can I, can I tell you a fun story? I, I, I've seen them punch each other in the face over Super Fire Pro Wrestling. <laughs> I can't imagine what they would do. Like the on a Monday night football game, you know, Cowboys Giants or whatever. And then like every now it's it's you know, Nova lives in Louisville and Donnie's in Jersey. And uh, anytime the Cowboys and Giants play each other, we call it the Bucci Bowl. <laughs> you know, Mike Bucci versus Don Bucci and there's photoshops and everything like that. And so if I if I can just again, I promised I wouldn't interrupt and I don't know why I said that because now I'm breaking that promise. But uh a funny story with, with them. So I had uh, worked on a sh- – I had, I had met Nova a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like he probably wouldn't even know me if he tripped over me. But I had met him a couple of times. Um, and it was not long before uh, a show – I want to say it was like PWF or something, Steve Carino's thing that he had yeah. going on. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And uh, so that was actually the, I went to that event 
And that was actually the event where Bill Apter took the pictures that ended up in the WoW magazine that ended up in the Raw video game. Um, but I'm in the event and I go over and I look out of the corner of my eye. I go, oh, it's Nova. I just saw Nova recent, not too long ago. I'm going to go up. I'm going to say hello. At this point, I was training to be a wrestler. So I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'll do what you do. You go, go to the boys. I went over to him. And I said, I said, hey, man, it's great. Uh, I was like, hey, Nova, great to, uh, great to see you again. And he's like, oh, I'm not Nova. And I'm like, all right. And I like just kept going like, all right. He's like, no, I'm not Nova. I'm like. Oh, okay. All right. I got you. I'm like, well, it's good to see you again. He's like, no, dude, I'm not Nova. I'm like, I'm, I'm his twin brother. And I'm like, all right, man. Sounds, sounds good. I'm like, I, and I'm like, I'm not really getting the joke, but all right. I guess Nova's just like messing with me. Uh, hundred percent Donnie, not, not Donnie. Nova at all. And, uh, big eighties. And, uh, <laughs> we were going to bring in Donnie B to WWE just as a, cause, uh, when, BWO was in back 2005 when I went back and we're doing the thing. Nova's working shows as Hollywood Nova Mm -hmm. and then clean up and come back out as Simon Dean. Mm -hmm. So we were going to do try to, you know, talk him into Donnie B come in and throw in the, uh, throw in the Nova gear and just have an interaction, just to have an interaction between, uh, Simon Dean and the BWO or something like that. That would have been so cool. Yeah, identical twin brothers that, like... I didn't... I honestly had no idea. I did not know he had one. And I remember... It wasn't even that show. It was, like, a few... I think it was, like, a few weeks later, I was at training and talking and telling somebody about... I was at the Wild Smoke Training Center and telling somebody about, like, oh, yeah, and I saw Nova again because I think I had seen him at... Maybe it was, like, a WXW show or something prior to that. And I was, like, telling them, and they're, like... Oh no, dude! I I really don't think that was Nova. I think that was his brother. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, he has an identical twin brother. I'm like, oh my god! Because then, like, I was like, legit, just telling him, like, all right, man. Like, I yeah, I get I get the joke. Well, good to see you, Nova. Like, and I yeah. felt like such an asshole. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, barely legal, uh, which took place barely, 45 years ago <laughs> at this point. Barely answered. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Night before the banquet, uh, uh, actually, they show the banquet in uh, Beyond the Mat, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, you know, this is one of Terry's, you know, multiple retirements. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and then the next day, get up, you go to the, the pay per view, and it was just so, you know, surreal. You know, pulling up the ECW arena and there's like saddle, a satellite truck outside mm-hmm. and they got barricades up and there's fans there. Like, like that's the thing about ECW arena shows, at least fans would line up at 9 a.m. Yeah, because they wanted to be, you know, if you weren't in part of uh, club ECW and you didn't have your, you know, uh, like four packet, four show packet tickets for the uh, club ECW, you know, it was first come first serve. So these guys would, you know, it was, they would tailgate from 9 a.m. until the doors open wow. and they're, you know, they're out there with their coolers and shit like that. And I live right, you know, in the neighborhood. So like I'm running errands and, um, I drive by, you know, see these guys line up, but, uh, to pull up that day, you know, for barely legal, there's a satellite truck. We have cops outside, you know, you know, whole, you know, letting the, you know, walking the guys into the building and all this stuff. And we walk into the building and we're like, and we look at the ceiling. We're like, oh my god! Like we had like you know the sub arena. We had these we had spotlights, but there's like four sets of lights 
on the uh, there's like the uh, pillars mm-hmm. that run from the floor to the ceiling, and they were just mounted on that, and we would put the ring in position so they could get the best lighting. <laughs> but now they had this, you know, professional uh, light trestle, is it called? Trussle. Uh, trussle. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with a truffle, which is delicious. <laughs> but uh, a light trussle, which I think Vince really helped us. So I think Vince helped on that first pay-per-view as well. Yeah. He hooked, he hooked DCW up with the uh, production, the lighting, all that stuff. And he, you know, gave paulie the breakdown on you know how how a pay-per-view works where like when the money comes in it goes into like a 90-day escrow and that's why you know when you're you wrestle uh for wwe at least you you get your royalties like 90 days later or something like that so you'll, you'll get your nightly pay and then three months later you'll get your uh residuals or whatever that that's how it worked in wwe so uh yeah vince totally helped it you know helped us out with that and uh, i just remember uh getting there getting dressed and everybody just sat around and watched the monitor like like it was a regular show but there's so much more to it it was like uh like it was like a fever dream or something it was like just surreal just like we're there but the back's well lit because barry blaustein's there with the behind beyond the mat guys right. and he's filming everybody and uh, you're signing waivers and releases and stuff in case they accidentally film you. And um, and Barry's a good dude. Uh, and then, you know, there's, you know, like I said, I'm at ringside for the three-way dance of uh, Raven, Stevie, and Terry. And Todd Gordon's running around. Tell him to go home. Tell him to go home. And then... You know, we, you know, we at least get the Stevie part, you know, Stevie gets out of there, you know, one, two, three, and then, uh, we go to the back and watch the rest of the show and, uh, dude, it's like, um, anticipation of, can we finish this thing on time? And, you know, not cause dude, I, I, uh, I remember the early days of UFC there's like, I was watching, uh, one of the UFC fights. It might've been five or six. And Dan Severn's fighting uh, Hoist Gracie. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it because I'm friends with Dan. And then Dan practiced, you know, trained for, not practice, he trained for his first UFC at Al's gym, which I was basically a suplex dummy. So I was like, oh, yeah, hey, hey, Brian, are you trying to fight back? Oh, thanks, Dan. Uh, <laughs> and I'm watching it. And they went over their satellite time and nobody got to see the end of that UFC pay-per-view. So I'm reliving this whole movement with, you know, being a part of ECW and knowing that, you know, time's this dead, the this, this sand in the hourglass is about to run out. And, uh, thank God that the, the one, two, three happens. The boys in the back popped, uh, because at least the finish made it right. Uh, or we hope, and then, uh, you know, they had the celebration to go in the crowd, all this stuff. And then somebody said, we're off air, which meant everything. Yeah, and then there was it, that, yeah. yeah, there was that initial pop and then boom, power goes out. <laughs> the holy shit, uh, made it by the skin of our teeth. It's incredible. It's a- incredible. Like you couldn't, you couldn't have written that. Like, dude, if, if you made a movie about it, uh-huh. it people would be like, oh, that's just corny. 
that's mm-hmm. that's corny. That, that that's just uh, fairy book fairy book tale stuff, you know. Unbelievable. And then um, uh, what a lot of people don't know is Powers out. Uh, you know, they came and record this, but Paulie goes out in the middle of the ring. Pay per views off the air. And his voice is pretty much shot because he's been yelling the whole show. And in a tone just like this, has a conversation with the audience. This tone, and everybody just shut the fuck up. Nobody talked. And the thing, this, it's crazy. Like the power was out, none of the cameras were working, so he couldn't even film it. But like, you know, he, he had a conversation with the crowd, thanking them, exp- you know, explaining everything that happened, blah, 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 blah. It was a very cool moment for just people in the house. And talking about time travel, I wish I could put my 47-year-old brain in that body and get, yeah. tell, you know, because, you know, 7-Eleven, we, we, it was, BW was uh, me, Nova, Stevie, and then we had uh, Rob Feinstein, who was, uh, Seven Eleven, which is just a rib on X Pac, because X Pac, he was six. Or, he was six yeah. Pac at the time. He would be at ringside with a camcorder, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like doing guerrilla marketing or videotaping and stuff like that. So uh, supposedly six Pac was their videographer. Well, we already had Feinstein there, who was filming our house shows with the ECW fan camps. Let's throw a fucking wig on him, yeah, and, and call him Seven Eleven, you know, which is a t- and, and that was just a build up. It was like six point five seven, and, and the different math equations. So we settled on Seven Eleven. I wish I could put my brain in that body. And go, hey Rob, go grab your camera and record this, yeah, for and prosperity. That, and that's but, another thing nowadays. You'd have a thousand different angles from somebody's cell phone. Yeah, of, of that you know, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, but man, what a what a what an amazing that makes me feel I want to go on the network and watch Barely Legal now. Um, yeah, how my my one question that I had and I interrupted fifteen times, but my one question I had on that was, uh, um, how inspiring was Paul Heyman's speech that you saw in a. a that you saw in beyond the mat. Um, was it cause I mean, beyond the mat was, you know, put together as a, a cinematic release um, in person. Did it have that same feeling that it had that came through on the, on the camera? Oh, even more so. Um, and Paul, you know, Paul was great for that, man. He can, he can eat Paul Hammond could sell ketchup, ketchup popsicles to nuns wearing white gloves, you know, just, <laughs> Uh, you know, he could sell anybody on anything and people shit on him for the way he said he ended, but he did what he could do to keep it alive. And all it took was one deal that, and everything would have been good. You know, all the sacrifice, the sacrifices would have paid, you know, everybody calls us a bunch of marks or whatever. Oh, working for free. Oh, your channels, your checks bounce. All it took was one fucking deal. Somebody to sign to put pen to paper and everybody would have been okay. And those people who sacrificed their personal uh, interests would have been paid off and, and, you know, made good on. But he kept us going with those, you know, pre. And it wasn't every show. Like, uh, you know, but like, you know, when, when he had to have a State of the Union address in the locker room. Mm-hmm. 
randomly, you know, Hey, stick around. We're having a meeting. All right. And you know, you'd leave feeling invigorated, Mm. but that night, like I said, everybody's a little bit uptight, you know, um, tense just because we want, everybody wanted to do well. Oh, sure. Uh, even to the point where Bubba Ray Dudley, he, he came to the, he, he had a broken ankle or a broken foot and he peeled off the cast off his leg and had to slide his, you know, gingerly slide his boot on just so he can have that match at uh barely leave. He was wrestling on a broken leg and that's how much it meant to him. I never knew that's that. how much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bubba had a broken broken foot or broken ankle and he had to rip off he had to cut off his own cast to slide on his boot so he can have that match Jeez. uh so it meant everything to everybody and then you see that scene in um beyond the mat where francine's crying that, it was legit everybody mm-hmm. had legit nerves everybody was on the edge of their seats butterflies the size of uh mothra in their you know, <laughs> stomach you know and then uh man just um uh, we, we we partied well after that show. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, uh, we we you know we we had, we had some fun. We definitely had fun after that show. But uh, oh my god, it was. I mean, and it's rare. You, you never really get to be a part of a first in this business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very few firsts, and uh, to be a part of the very first ECW pay per view, be a part of the semi main event, uh is even a bigger accomplishment just you know the same way it was a big accomplishment to you know get my way onto wrestlemania in my hometown and stuff like that so just very fortunate uh and that was a very special night you said i'd be very legal uh which we finally answered uh i would feel like i'd feel like the fact that you weren't uh one of the competitors in the match for that. And the fact that you weren't one of the competitors in the match for WrestleMania, almost I'd have to imagine that gave you an opportunity to be able to take it in a little bit more than you would have if you were going out there and having a match. Is that oh, absolutely. correct? Absolutely. And when you think about it, Tommy dreamer didn't even have a match that night. And he was the, I mean, he was our top baby face yeah. in, the, in the company. He didn't have a match. I mean, he did like a little run in eventually, right? but, but- he wasn't scheduled for a match yeah. and that's one, you know, the top guys want to, want to, you know, um, are one of our sergeant in arms. Yeah. You know, I just, just feel, so to speak. I just feel like it was probably like a blessing in disguise to not actually be one of the people wrestling in the match for you because yeah, like well, you really, I mean, you're, you're there at ringside. You're, you're surround, be it WrestleMania, be it whatever, you know, I, I'd have I, to imagine you had that time to just take it in. Everybody on every wrestling show is important from, you know, from, especially that from Paul Hammond to the people who sold merch to the people who took the tickets, who people who made the popcorn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Same WWE, everybody from Vince all the way down to the uh, ticket takers, everybody plays a role and everybody's important. Mm-hmm. Even so, if even if I'm not wrestling in a match, I'm just at ringside managing, uh, I'm still part of the show and, uh, I'm still learning, Mm -hmm. you know, dude, I do. I, I I had my first match in 94 and 97. I'm part of the main event of a, a company's first pay-per-view. 
it's, it's insane. And it's also, you know, yeah. And I meant it as a really good thing that you had the opportunity to take it all in. Oh yeah. You know, and and yeah, some yeah. like you could look at like, I don't know why sometimes it'd be looked at like nobody, nobody looks at uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and goes, nah, but he didn't get to wrestle at WrestleMania three. He was just standing there, you know, with Andre the Giant. Like, it's like, no, this was, this was amazing. What an amazing opportunity to do that. And, and in fact, he probably got to take that experience in more so than the guys that were wrestling the matches. So, uh, yeah. another question, <laughs> um, this one's from Jesse Cage, uh, Oh, come on, Jesse. What's the Meanie's second favorite podcast? Uh, oh. Yeah. Boy, Jesse. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse Cage, which uh, he's got an awesome podcast called First Match, which I just did, uh, where I, I talk about you know my training and everything leading up to being a, from a fan to being a wrestler. Uh, yeah, well, he does a great job. Jesse Cage has uh, got a great podcast there. He's a great personality, great friend. Uh, definitely check them out uh, wherever you get your uh, your favorite podcasts yeah, or second been... favorite podcasts. Yeah, uh, <laughs> wherever you get your second favorite podcast, go to that. Um, now he's been super supportive of our show and oh my um, god, yeah, constantly tweeting things out, sharing things, having you on his show, and yeah, he has an awesome show. So and I helped them get a couple. I helped them get like Al Snow for the show and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we're we're a community uh, yep. in the podcast world. There's no egos here. There's a, we all I got to me and you got to focus on is having our best sh- show, and yep. then you know if anybody needs uh you know help along like uh shout out to a podcast we listen to uh we yeah. we we did that uh that just came out uh podcast we listen to uh wherever you listen to uh and that's what it's called we yeah podcast <laughs> you listen to so it's such a cool concept he interviews other people with their podcast to talk about what their podcast is about. And it's great exposure for people. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be on. So definitely check that out. And I feel it's helped us. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I don't think he knew what he was getting into. Not a chance. Uh, not, not a chance. <laughs> because we, we talk and uh, like uh, his show's supposed to be like an hour and we went like three hours. Um, I mean, we, we just went but, about an hour answering uh, any thoughts of barely legal. So yeah, but that was my fault. No, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> um, so here's a question: uh, If you could erect a statue of any pro wrestler, who would it be? That's from Jason Massey. But uh, before we get to that question, when I'm thinking if you need to erect something, I'm thinking you might need to erect <laughs> your penis. There was no, there was no way. <laughs> yes, uh, we. <laughs> yeah, let's let's erect the uh, statue to John Holmes. Uh, we we are talking about Blue Chew. That's right, Blue Chew. They're back. They're a sponsor, uh, guys. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up, BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the blue meanie. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable. With the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work, and you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Someone wants to erect a statue, you've got them covered. Blue Chew is made in the USA. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to a doctor or wait in line, and it's even cheaper 
than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it to you in a discreet package, so no more awkwardness uh, and no having to leave your house, which during these days, that's, that's a nice thing. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Meanie, uh, man, we can't say enough great things about Blue Chew. Hey, in, in a world where money is tight and uh, advertising dollars mean the most, the fact that Blue Chew is reached out to, I mean, this is match made in heaven, Blue Meanie, mm-hmm. Blue Chew, Blue Chew World Order. Uh, but yeah, the fact that they reached out and wanted to advertise with Mind and the Meanie means the world to me. Uh, it's a great product. Uh, it's a trusted product. And, it, and it's a discreet product. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if, if you're down and, down and out and you haven't been able to, uh, you know, perform, uh, Bluetooth will come along and help put some gas in your tank. And, uh, and sometimes it, even if you can perform, but you just need that extra little, uh, Inspiration. Know? Yeah, just an extra little something. Yeah, man, we've all been there, man. It's It's been, uh, you know, yeah, I've been on, there's, I, in my career or in my life, you know, career. Uh, in my life. In, in my career. Uh, back at the travel lodge. <laughs> now, uh, you know, there's been plenty of dates I've been on where you're ready to go and your tag partner's late to the building. Yeah. And uh, just, and you, it's like trying to slide an oyster into a coin slot, man. It's just it's... like, like, uh, like Eddie Murphy said, you got a shoehorn for this thing, man. Uh, just, uh, yeah. I wish I had Bluetooth back in the ECW days or back in my teenage days where you, man, just uh, your, your body's on pause. See, and, back, uh, in, back in teenage days, I think just a stiff wind could become a stiff something else. But, uh, man, as you just, get older, sometimes... Well, since I'm older, it was this year's catalog. Oh, but, uh, oh my. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't know how to respond to something like that. Um, but no, look, no more having to uh, tape a wooden dowel to it just to get things going. Um, look, I no, no more using popsicle sticks, making a makeshift yep. splint. This, uh, this, this episode right now, I'm not saying that this episode that is airing because I'm off having a baby is directly related to an evening with Blue Chew, but I'm not saying it's not. Back when I didn't have Blue Chew, I would just shove a broomstick up my ass to make the rest of me point out know, to push push it out for me. Like yeah, the, uh, and isn't it nice that now you get to shove that broomstick up your ass just for fun, hey, not not to try and make anything it, happen? Is it Saturday already? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Just pop out! Pop out! Oh you know? god! <laughs> Teenage logic, right? Look, look, look! <laughs> If I just shove this broomstick up my ass, it'll make my dick come out, right? <laughs> or if I just if I just blow on my thumb, it'll, it'll just go like you a party to. favor, right? Yep. Like New Year's. Yeah. But uh, thank you. Get thank the old bicycle me. pump, stick that up there, and <laughs> do, 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 but no more, no more because no of blue chew. No, no, you can use the broom for sweeping. Yep. And uh, thanks to blue chew, and yes. uh, yeah, and. It, since you're going to Blue Chew through us, use promo code Meanie and save some money and embarrassment. Yeah, not right. just save some money, Meanie, because this is what we're doing for them. Uh, we're just, I mean, at this point, we're just giving it away. So right now, if you go to BlueChew.com and use the promo code Meanie, you're going to get your first shipment absolutely free. That's right, free. 
You just pay $5 shipping, use the promo code Meanie, and you are getting Blue Chew, your first shipment, absolutely free. And listen, when you take this Blue Chew and you chew it up, we are so confident. That's why we're giving it to you for free, because you're going to be back. You're not going to have a choice. Doesn't, doesn't You have no choice at all, because you're going to enjoy that. You're going to say, oh my God, I can't believe it. Because if you're like me, you know, everybody, look, I'm like your average guy. I can go three, four, six times, you know, in, in one night. But, uh, man, if you need that seventh or eighth go, uh, you know, you need Blue Chew. That's how everybody does it, right? You have to signal to the bullpen that had the reliever come in, and, you know, he's he's coming out in a Blue Chew uh, cart right into the mound. So, man. Thank God for uh, thank God for science. And thank God for Bluetooth, you know. Just... And the fact that this is chewable, that you can just take it, you can go. Hey, you know what? You're out somewhere. You're coming home from work. You get a you get a uh, call from the missus. Hey, where are you? And he says, Oh, I'm on my way back. It's like okay, yeah. you, you might want to pop a Bluetooth. Man, you're chewing that on the way home. Uh, by the time you get home, man, you can open you, you can ring the doorbell without your hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just cue the A-team theme, and you're ready to come through the door like B.A. Baracus. Man. Just, like, breaking down the door. Man, I pity, uh, yeah, the, I pity man. the fool who does not go to BlueChew.com and use the promo code Meanie. Uh, again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Blue, like the blue Meanie. BlueChew.com, promo code Meanie to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Mind of the Meanie podcast so uh back wow. to the question <laughs> that got violent <laughs> yeah it did man um shoving broomsticks up my own ass and just, yeah i mean and look i didn't you didn't have just because we're on video you didn't have to do it in front of me to show me well, what you're saying but i do appreciate that well um, I, I, it's like uh i'm from the show me state uh, yeah. <laughs> uh if you could erect a statue Missouri. <laughs> I'm from Missouri, the show me state. I, I have to demonstrate. Oh, uh, man. Well, let me put this away. If, <laughs> if you. Uh, so, if you could erect a statue, this comes from Jason Massey, at Jason Massey. Uh, if you could erect a statue of any pro wrestler, who would it be? Philly's got a spot for it. Ooh, hey now. Um, but yeah. If you could erect, so I mean, because he he's mentioning Philly, uh, maybe I can kind of gear it towards a specific. Is it somebody who's like big big time in Philly, ECW? Uh, but if you could erect a statue of any pro wrestler, let's say let's say in the silly city of Philadelphia, uh, right next to the Rocky statue, if you could put up a statue uh, of somebody who has played the largest role in Philadelphia professional wrestling, other than the Blue Meanie, who would it be? <laughs> Man, that's a good one. Um, there's so many things you could do from ECW, WWE. Uh, me? Since it's a uh, question for me and my rules uh, to erect a statue in Philadelphia, I will say Gorilla Monsoon. Mm. Love he it. Is, I love that. He's from, he's right. He, I mean, basically he's a Philly guy anyway. He, even though he's over in, he lived in uh, Collingswood, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived right. I mean, like 10 minutes from where I'm at right now. He uh, wrestled in Philly, uh, booked in Philly, uh, did everything in Philly for WWE. And, uh, you know, he famously had the uh, license plate. You know, it was a jersey plate, but it said uh, "K Fabe" on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, f- fuck. 
you know, I, de- yeah, definitely, I would definitely build a, a monument to uh, erect a statue to Gorilla Monsoon just because he's he's underrated. He, yeah. he, you know, he came up in the era where Bruno was the man, but uh, you know, Gorilla was the man too. I no. mean, and look at forget forget. You know, he had a a great in ring career, mm-hmm. but then he transitioned into being a promoter. He owned part of WWE, uh, and then he became an announcer. So and which, he was- which statue is it? Gorilla Monsoon in the singlet, old school gorilla with the 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 hand out in the claw, or is it Gorilla Monsoon in the uh, the somewhat paisley uh, uh, blazer with the glasses? I have to go with the the blazer with the glasses, yeah, me too, gorilla, me too. with uh, with a microphone in his hand mm-hmm. with the cord. You know, wrapped, you know, in a nice little ravel. A little loop. His, yeah, down at, at the bottom of his feet, you know. Oh, folks, Gorilla Monsoon here. Yeah, it's got, yeah. if I'm going to interact with statue. You... <laughs> oh, will you stop? Oh, come on, Gorilla. Um, if, if man, that, that's a good one. That's a really yeah. good answer. And, and it makes me think, you know, WWE, they do every year, uh, like fan access, they'll, Unveil and uh, unveil a new statue. Um, obviously, this year it got canceled, but you'd have to imagine they had they had one ready to go. Um, so I, you know, I wonder who that would be. But uh, man, a Gorilla Monsoon statue is one I'd like to see them uh, put up. Uh, yeah, he, he, he just he, he's yeah. definitely a, a like a he's a Philly guy, and it's and you know what his last uh, on air uh, appearance was at WrestleMania 15 in Philly. Yep. For uh, Brawl for All, he was one of the ringside judges. And uh, if you go back and watch that, go on the network, WrestleMania 15, Brawl for All. They announced the uh, ringside judges, which one of being Gorilla Monsoon. Monsoon, sorry, my mouth gave out on me. He uh, gets a very long, loud standing ovation. And his his ovation was so loud so long uh i was backstage and i was watching on the monitor and i was standing right next to mike kyota longtime wwe referee who i believe gorilla was uh responsible for for getting into the business because uh mike kyota at the time was from like cherry hill new jersey and i guess you know him and gorilla were tight and uh you know, my Kyoto, you know, like he's a, he's a cool, cool as a cucumber, you know, but he got a little emotional and he started mm-hmm. clapping and, you know, start rooting for Gorilla. So, you know, Gorilla Monsoon's last, you know, spot was appropriately, I mean, if you're going to have a last appearance anywhere, it was in Philly. Mm-hmm. It was a huge part of the Philly scene when they used to uh, tape WWE TV here on the uh, 52nd and Market Street, right next to where they used to do American Bandstand. And then, you know, he was always at the Spectrum and all this stuff. So, yeah, Gorilla Monsoon's the fucking man. Uh, yeah. I, I was uh, in attendance. We talked about it in the past. Obviously, I was in attendance for WrestleMania 15. And I, I vividly remember um, when he was, you know, seeing him up on the screen there and, like, you know, um, yeah. and just everybody in my section were on their feet applauding him. I mean, it was a legit, and I, th- I think in the entire arena that I do specifically remember when they announced him, all of us just standing up and applauding. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you knew he had health issues too. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, 
kind of remind, yeah yeah it, i don't want to get emotional about it but just yeah and, and you know uh that was probably the first time i met him in the business mm-hmm. i i met him at the wrestlemania four or four or five uh fan night well it wasn't even a fan access day it was uh just a convention uh and i met him there and he was so nice so kind and uh meet him all those years later wrestlemania 15 you know, I'm in the business, and he's so nice, just a great guy. I never had the opportunity to meet him, but I do have a picture in my office uh, of my great-grandfather, who I also never had the opportunity to meet, my great-grandfather and Gorilla Monsoon uh, in the 70s. My great-grandfather was an enormous wrestling fan. My grandfather always says that that's, that's where I got it from, um, and he used to just a, a – a, tiny old Jewish man who would, who would sit in the, uh, you know, this 80 year old man sitting in the crowd and he would yell to the wrestlers and the wrestlers would ask him, you know, should I hit him? Should I hit him? And he would give him the thumbs up. And so I have pictures of him with, uh, Ted DiBiase before there was a beard, uh, you know, um, but like very early on in his career, but it was back in like the seventies and, um, this, yeah, so it's just really cool. I've always had that, and like, because I was always a big Grill Monsoon fan, and uh, my grandfather gave me that picture one time, so I still keep that in my office. So it's really, he was a big, awesome. uh, big wrestling fan. Um, Very cool. Uh, here's a, here's a, this is, this is a heavy hitting question, and I hope that, uh, you know, we can cut this out if this is too personal for you. Uh, Sarah Whitaker at SLW Overlord asks, uh, Coke or Pepsi? Oh. I don't know, man. We that's, should cut. The, I'm going to timestamp this. That's, yeah, that's fucking personal, man. Yeah. Honestly, um, honestly, look, we love the pod squad, but um, look, have I a little respect talk, for the blue meanie. You know, I'll talk about sticking a broomstick up my own ass as a teenager to make myself look more endowed. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's but, just uh, personal stuff that like, you know, I know you're a public figure, but not your entire life. Your entire life doesn't have to be on display for these right. people. Um, yeah. This is like, that's like a TMZ type. Gotcha. Kind yeah. Of fucking no, not, uh, um, I don't know. No, no, but, uh, not touching uh, that. And I'm sorry for even bringing it up. Uh, um, Hey, here's a good one. Uh, <laughs> Jack- Fuck it. Uh, Diet Coke with lime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, fuck, we almost got away with it. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, that, really, <laughs> that really cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> at, least, uh, at least we're popping ourselves over here. Um, hey. Uh, Jack Arias. Uh, at Jack Arias asks, uh, how can I become a stud muffin like you? Uh, sorry, I think you, you meant to send this one to a, a Joel Gertner. Over yeah, at, wrong, <laughs> wrong podcast, podcast over at the 69-minute yeah. eargasm. Uh, but yeah. no, but hey, no, listen, this applies. Uh, how can he become a stud muffin like you, Meanie? Uh, talk to women like uh, like they're human beings, you know? Yeah. You know, uh they're not objects. They're people. And if the face <laughs> faces way into a woman's heart is through her funny bone, you know? So, uh, and if yeah, your funny bone needs a little, uh, boost. 
Yeah, yeah man. man. Here we are. No, seriously. <laughs> uh, dude, I grew up with women. You know, I had a sister, mother, grandmother. You know, I had a grandfather, too, but he was off work, and I was surrounded by, you know, estrogen. And uh, just uh, I have a better – I have a great grasp of – what how they how women think or you know how to respect a woman you know the how women think thing you and i are gonna have to have a conversation off air because i am sometimes just not not getting it i'm not understanding um i know i'm doing i'm the one doing something wrong that much at this point i've learned that i'm wrong uh but i still just don't know why well, I don't have it to a, down to a science. Okay. There's still things I, I'll do, and I'll get like catch heat for stuff I, I had no idea I did. Yeah. But you know, uh, you know, it's got to be. I mean, if you're funny, witty, fun, you know, and disrespectful, you know, I, I always learned to, you know, I was taught to hold the door open, push the chair in, yes, thanks, you, please, all that good stuff, you know, and. You know, uh, that's how I've been fortunate enough to, uh, you know, keep Mrs. Meanie all these years. You know, I treat her respect and I respect, you know, her needs. And uh, I know her probably better than anybody else. And she knows me better than anybody else. And we're not perfect people, but we're perfect for each other. So that's what uh, Yeah. And And, accepting, and you have to accept each other for not being perfect, you know, yeah. and if you can accept that, uh, I think the, the biggest problem that some people have in relationships to jump into a, uh, uh, dear, uh, dear Josh and Meanie. Um, but right. I, I think some of the biggest problems is sometimes you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say like, Oh, they're putting up with something too. Like if you look at if you can understand your own, uh, faults, then you can respect the fact that nobody's perfect. Um, and then expect, you also have to accept the fact that they're always right. And as soon as you can do that, uh, you can have a harmonious <laughs> relationship. Um, well, that's the big thing too, is like, there's times I've done things that probably terse. Is that the word? Where it's just I like, I, I, <laughs> I'll just, I'll react to something instinctly. And as soon as I say, I go, man, I could have said that better. Mm-hmm. And, immediately just going, Hey, I was wrong mm-hmm. on that. And, and then that way you gain a, a sense of trust to where, you know, they, they, they know you're listening and, 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 re- and caring about their feelings because yeah. women are about feelings. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, and you know, I just, uh, try to stay in tune with their feelings and respect their feelings and no one sh- you know, I think they need a breather just to take a powder and let, you know, you know, let them, let them vent. I'll be in like, cause I got a sister too and she, she's always reaching out to me and you know, about stuff. And I listen, people need, you know, a lot of times in life, people just need somebody to listen to, to get stuff off their chest. And, uh, you know, I've always been tried to be there for friends in general who want to reach out. Hey man, what do you think about this? And then I have friends. I need to get shit off my chest that I just, I have an inner circle of people that I trust that I'm going to say this as between us, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, whether I'm feeling down in the dumps or whatever like that. So when it comes to women, my whole life, you know, I've tried to listen, 
and also try to, you know, make them laugh and just, uh, just be respectful, you know, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, just, it's, it's, just, it's amazing what, you know, manners and respect, if it's, if it's taught and, you know, instilled into yourself, how, how long, how long a ways that goes, you know, with just people in general, you know, I would also like to, uh, I want to ask the same question to Joel Gertner and see just how, uh, how your answers may differ in the the way that he takes, that he takes that. Um, yeah, I don't want to rip off his gimmick. So, I mean, he's, he's, it's Joel Gertner's to stuff. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think his answer would simply be, you can't, um, (laughs) how can I be a stud muffin like you? You can't, you can't. (laughs) I love Joel. Um, me too. So, Here's a here's a fun one from Andy Slichter. Uh, at uh, okay, this is at Mind of the Meanie for this is a question for the Blue Meanie. On your Wikipedia page, there's a uh, section dedicated to Mind of the Meanie oh. with so says Chernoff's name as a link. But sadly, when you click it, it says no page has been made. When are you going to create his? Wikipedia page. <laughs> Can I say I absolutely fucking detest my Wikipedia page because it says I'm married and I had children with somebody else and it's fucking bullshit. Yeah, your IMDb page says it too. Remember, I like went through yeah. the process and they like rejected my my editing of your page. Anybody who has control the IMDb or Wikipedia, whoever can fucking edit that shit. I never married this whoever. I didn't, I didn't even bother memorizing it. He was married to so and so in 2011, and they have a child. Is who are these fucking morons, <laughs> assholes, dickheads that feel free to have the time just to make shit up? You know, um, if you want to make shit up, just go write a fucking book. Yeah, and, you know, th- be, and, be, and be an author. And to say just, these things, think of that poor child too. I mean, he doesn't even exist, and right. and you're bringing him into social media. God. Let him yeah. be. Yeah, that's like, you know, I don't know. No. But fucking, so fucking, I have no control over the, I don't know. Dude, when I first, somebody's like, oh, you're on Wikipedia. For, for a split second, I got excited because I had no idea mm-hmm. what, a, what a fucking Wikipedia was. I thought it was like a major accomplishment. Then I realized any dickhead can just fucking edit it. Mm-hmm. And I've literally never. Uh, apparently edited. not any dickhead because you haven't edited this out of your, uh, out of your Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, I've never, I've maybe glanced at it when it first happened. I went, oh yeah, that shit ain't true. And that's why they have a segment on YouTube called Wikipedia fact or fiction. Uh-huh. And they have people read it. And it's, it's, it's annoying. It's fucking annoying. I, I fucking hate it. I don't know how to edit Wikipedia, but I feel like, like I always go to my brother on things like that. Like, cause he just like, either knows everything or just looks it up and somehow instantly, like I can look it up and can't find it. And he looks it up the same page and instantly is like, Oh yeah, this is how you do it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call him and get him on that to see if he can, he knows how to do it. Uh, but, but so I guess what we're learning here is what we're learning here is that Meanie, aside from his, uh, despising Wikipedia clearly had nothing to do with my being on there or the mind of the meanie. So very cool that mind of the meanie is on your Wikipedia. Very cool that I'm on there. Um, I knew I I was on uh, a couple of other pages. I'm on the, uh, on Bill Apters from the podcast I'd done with him. I'm on Jerry Lynn's Wikipedia. 
for uh for the this is Jerry Lynn uh segment that I did on my show. Um mm-hmm. but I think the answer to this would be uh I guess I'm not like I can't really be surprised that I don't have a, my own Wikipedia page. Um but uh yeah, I guess what happens is um maybe since my name has popped up on enough things like on other people's things, I'm assuming maybe that just created like a link. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Hey, we've seen this a lot. This name's popped up. So now there's a link, but nobody's ever created a page for me. So, um, Hey, uh, uh, pod squad members, if you want to create a Wikipedia page for me, if, if you literally have nothing else to do, uh, with your time, that would be neat. I, I know. I know I went off on a bit of a rant against Wikipedia, but I just hate the, the how people just put bullshit up there. And that's the and thing it, with Wikipedia. It's, I mean, yeah. it really is like I'm just asking Pod Squad members, like, you know, I, I, I look, look. There's not knowing information. I, oh, I'm sorry. I talked over. It sounded like something was happening over there. Um, there's <laughs> not a. There's not. Um, Kayfabe, man. I know. Well, hey, we're this is a video. You never know if this video is going to get out there somewhere. Um, Thank God you can't smell it. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, we wouldn't want to. We wouldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't want to embarrass you with anything like that after uh, talking about Bluetooth. Um, or, no, or but, fucking shoving a broomstick up my ass and playing it like Dizzy Gillespie and just. Oh God, no! This is and hey, well, you know what? As far as kayfabe, I acknowledge things, but I didn't. I didn't quite come out and and out you. Uh, anyway. <laughs> You did that yourself. Uh, no, but the, the, you know, there's people who just make stuff up, which like you said, that I don't understand. It's okay if you get your facts wrong about something you think it's right. You're trying to put together a page and, and all that stuff. Like, that's fine. Like if someone were to make a Wikipedia, a Wikipedia page for me, um, you know, there are a couple of things that I've mentioned on here that they could piece together. I'm married. I'm about to have a third kid. Like there are things you can piece together, but outside of that, I don't know how much of my personal life is, uh, is readily accessible. But having said that, I'd like you to not make stuff up. Like with the Blue right. Mini, like there's one thing where somebody's just like, oh, I think I remember hearing what the Blue, what Mrs. Meanie's real name is, right? And if they're like, put something like that. And maybe they got it wrong because they remembered it wrong. There's another thing to just completely go like, oh yeah, the Blue Meanie is married to this person and has a child. Like that is just, what are you doing? Right. Like, like what is what is going on in your life that you said to yourself, like, you know what? Today, I'm just going to dedicate some time to edit Wikipedia, which Meanie and I have already said we have no idea how to do. So it's already at least a little complicated. So you're going right. to spend some time just making shit up about the blue Meanie. Whatever. But uh, no. But anyway, Meanie, well, get well, on well, it. You make my page. What's the what's the end goal of it? But uh, yeah, there's also that thing where I've seen it on Twitter where if somebody ends a sentence with a period, which most people do and then they type the next word without the space it creates a link that's happened ah. so maybe it could have been a, a a thing where maybe somebody wrote something ended josh Chernoff with a period at the end of the sentence and then maybe went to start the next sentence and then so, separated so it probably created a link so what you're saying is the thought that i may have just done enough to have earned wikipedia creating a link for me that's off the table not a chance not well, a chance, uh, but go, 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 <laughs> let's go to the page and look. Let's go to the page. And look. I'm gonna check it out. So, what is it? The my uh, well, the Blue Meanie Wikipedia page. Yeah, let's see. Let's, see. Let, let's investigate this. Blue Meanie. Where's your Wikipedia? Okay, here you go. Wikipedia. 
Okay, I'll let you do it. Uh, let's see. You... I'm not seeing anything about you being married. Oh, did they would fix I, it? Would I have maybe already told my brother to remove that? I don't know. Because um, I had somebody reach out to me and go, what's this about? I wonder, because I know I tried like, to get it. Maybe I asked him when I was taking care of the IMDb thing. Uh, here we go. Mind of the Meanie. In March 2020, Heffern began a podcast called Mind of the Meanie with co-host Josh Chernoff. Okay. And we click the link of Josh Chernoff. This page has not yet been created. Oh, and it says create page. Oh. But let me see. If I click create page, it's okay. Maybe just because I'm on my phone doing this, it, it brought me to nothing. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, hey, guys, let's. Uh, Here, I'm going to. Oh, and you know what? Minute. The source that is cited is WrestleZone, March 23rd, 2020. Uh, the Blue Mini starting up his own podcast. First episode drops next week. So yeah, so this was an actual. It was. Uh, I I guess hey, you know, it was in the news and all that, and uh, and yeah, Mini, I hate to break it to you, but I think, I don't know, maybe whoever put it on was able to like highlight that I should have a page, and then just didn't. But it was just like, but I'm not going to waste my time creating a Josh Chernoff page. Um, yeah, hold on. I'm, I'm still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. Okay, okay. Well, maybe they fix. Hold on. Early career. I'm taking credit for it being fixed. Hey, please do. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, shout out to WrestleZone, too. They uh, did a nice recap of yeah. um, the uh, our discussion on AEW. And uh, managers, I appreciate that. Can I uh, can I ask you a couple of questions? Um, that's it's ask me anything. Yeah. So. All right. So, uh, true or false? Wikipedia. Here's some ring names. Okay. Some of them we know. Some of them. Blue Dust. Yes. yes. Brian Estevez. That was my first match ever, and first, and I used that once. Wow. And, See, that's and, the thing. How is that even on there? That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, long story short. I was in high school and I lived in Atlantic city and, you know, people come from out of town, you know, you're trying to hit on chicks in high school when you're growing up. And I was talking to this chick and she's like, you look like Emilio Estevez. And I'm stupid. And I was like, Oh, and I'm saying, yeah, you know, Oh, what's my ring name? I could be Brian Estevez. <laughs> and I, I said, Brian Estevez to my grandma. she's like, but you're not Spanish. You know, I was like, well, <laughs> That's the point. I'm, you know, I'm the furthest from, I'm Irish and Norwegian and part Polish. And, uh, <laughs> just, um, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just go Brian. And then I picked Brian. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 so, uh, go ahead. I don't, I'm going to, I don't want to ruin this. Well, segment. next up, Brian Rollins. Yes. That and was, that is uh, obviously because of your relationship to Seth Rollins. Um, no, well, technically, which is funny because, me and him both got Rollins from Henry Rollins. So, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of a name, and uh, we're sitting around these Al Snow's uh, gym, and we're like, man, names, names, names. And I'm sitting there with Pee Wee Moore, and he had a bunch of his uh, music cassettes there. I'm looking at There was a Henry Rollins cassette. I was like, Brian Rollins flows off the tongue pretty you know, nicely. So, yeah. All right. Yep. We've got the blue guy. Uh, yes. John John Blue Lamefield. Yeah, with WWE. We have Meanie Grunge. Yes. We have Meanie Simmons. 
Yes. The Blue Boy. Unfortunately. <laughs> the Blue Meanie. I think you used that yes. before. Uh, and yes. the Zebra Kid. Yeah. That's, I told a story when I, uh, me and Al and the students went on like a class trip to get our <laughs> ring gear. And uh, there was like a, 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 you know, you go there to get ring gear. Like you could mail away to get shit made. But they also had like a box of stuff that hadn't been paid for. Or just mm-hmm. random stuff they had made. And you come in, you, you sift through things. And, um, dude, when I went to Memphis, uh, as a fan to wrestle, there's a guy wrestling down there, had like these zebra tights and a singlet. I always thought that was the coolest look. And then I, I go to, uh, it was K&H, the mm-hmm. guys who made, re- I think they still make wrestling gear. K&H, it starts. They were like the old car- school, right? Didn't, they were like old school yeah. wrestling gear. K&H stood for Carl and Hildegard. Those They made tights for Bret Hart, everybody. And, like, you, you go into their office and, you know, there's postcards from Bret Hart with the family all wearing his gear and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I saw them making, like, gear for Earthquake and Honky Tonk Man or whatever. And uh, I found these zebra tights. I was like, oh, I'll call myself the zebra kid. And then uh, it turns out, you know, I called myself the zebra kid, got the tights, singlet. And then it turns out there had been already a zebra kid back in the 80s, which I was like, oh, well, you know. But, you know, it wasn't like a gimmick. It was just a name or whatever. I'm just trying to find my way. And so I was like, yeah, zebra kid. Why not? That's funny. Yeah. Because I, you know, I was also. You posted a I'm sorry. What's that? I was always always like a fan of like Zubaz too and like that Mm -hmm. in high school. Like that. Um, here's a question from, uh, the only JTB, Johnny T, uh, did, did at BWO Stevie ever drop the restraining order against Missy Hyatt or does that still stand today? <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, that was the, uh, the, the storyline where we're at, uh, Lost Battalion Hall in Queens, New York. And Missy Hyatt was in the crowd, and uh, me and Stevie go out to do the promo with uh, Joey Styles, and uh, we uh, notice Missy. Well, he notices Missy, and he notices Missy in the crowd, and uh, he goes over and they do a promo, and you know Missy makes out with him, and then eventually he files the the restraining order on her, where you know you normally as a, a woman would be, you know filing a restraining order against an uh, obsessive gentleman. So just the, <laughs> the fact that Stevie, you know, his character, not the person, uh, you know, th- thought, you know, it was, you know, disillusioned enough to uh, think that Missy was, you know, stalking him or whatever. And he had to file a restraining order against him was, you know, was pretty funny. You know, that's why, you know, Joey Styles always referred to Stevie R- Richards as the clueless putts, you know, Stevie Richards. So, uh, but statute of limitations, I don't know if <laughs> in wrestling history, if it's, uh, still, uh, still there, but yeah, that's funny. That popped me. <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's probably going to do it, do it for some questions here. Um, mainly because I'm scrolling through and I think, uh, I think we've asked some of these other ones, but I can't remember. Oh, you know what? Uh, Here's one more. Okay. If we if we already did this one, because this was I'm kind of going back 
uh, a month or so. Um, this is from Vitamin J at Vitamin JW. We may have actually asked this already. Uh, I heard you talk about your road rage issues on Casio uh, Casio Kids podcast. Uh, okay. As a person who has to drive to Lima, Ohio for work every day, I've always felt that Lima has the worst drivers anywhere. Do you agree? And do you have any road rage stories from your year in Lima? No, I've, I've never talked specifically Lima road rage. Okay. So no, right. I don't think we had asked this before, but nah. uh, yeah. So, okay. This is, we're, this is our uh, go home spot. Let's. Well, it's going to be a short answer because I don't remember. But uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all for joining. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I do. I I recently went back to Lima when uh, Star Kiss. The first Star Kiss was in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was I was like, "Fuck it, let's make this like a road trip." So we headed out, and it was me, Mrs. Meany, and Joel Gertner. And I was like, "Dude, we're driving. To- if we're going, it's I want to drive to Chicago. I don't want to fly." Flying sucks, and you know if I were going to bring all my merch, I don't want to have to fucking check it and pay the check and all this sure. stuff. So I said, fuck it, let's just drive. I could bring all the merch, and we could just take our time. We pull over, take a bathroom break or whatever. And I was like, dude, another reason why I want to drive to Chicago is I can make a pit stop in Lima, mm-hmm. Ohio, because they have like one of the best burgers places I've ever been to called Cupy. We have talked uh, about, you know what? We've talked about QP. That's what led to the, uh, the mini burger shirt. Yeah. That conversation. Yeah. 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 Uh, dude, QP is like one of my favorite burgers ever. You know, I've offered to pay people to fucking FedEx them to me overnight and shit like that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, driving like, I, like I said, no, uh, no idea of, uh, road rage driving to Lima. I will say it's like Lima is such like a small town town that they take like smaller, uh, I want to say crimes, maybe misdemeanor, whatever, more seriously, like parking. Hmm. Like, uh, they have nothing else to do. Right. So, yeah. Uh, like one time I parked, uh, and, and, and like shit that would be an issue, not, an issue in like Philly, Jersey, whatever. It's like an issue there. Like I, I parked on uh, the opposite side of the street facing the wrong direction where in Philly you do that. It's just like, man, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. And I, I remember getting a ticket for it and I was like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. And uh, like next door to Al Snow's body slammers gym there, they had a, a parking lot and they, they really enforced the, if you're not, Using our bank, don't use our parking lot. And they were like, the security guards would come up the elevator. Who's parked in our lot? Like, I'm like, really? You're, you have that much business? You know, it's just, <laughs> but uh, you know, like the parking in Lima was weird because like you would park, you would drop all your shift off at the school. And then like I'd had to park like two or three blocks away. There's like a, a lot where you can park and, uh, and uh, you'd walk back and stuff like that, like this vacant lot, and they didn't really break your balls. But uh, I just remember getting a ticket for parking, you know, on the opposite side. Like, how I'm going, you know, I'm par- going this way, but I see a spot on that side, so I just parked over there, not causing an accident or anything. You know, it's just like whatever. You know, it, it, I know this 
question is very this answer is very enthralling. But, um, <laughs> yeah, just just parking. I I never had road rage there, but I had maybe parking rage just because it's like. <sighs> And I, I, we, there was this, uh, <laughs> uh, one night we were bored and, uh, at Al's gym and, um, like, uh, there was a student there, uh, there was a student there from New Zealand and, uh, I, I won't go into names or anything like that, but I was like, yeah, we're getting a student from New Zealand. And, uh, we're like, ah, oh, you know, it's a woman. We're like, oh, we're thinking Rachel Hunter. <laughs> you know, it's, it's coming over, you know, you know, the New Zealand model, you know, it was more like Dick the Bruiser. <laughs> it's like if you took Dick, Dick the Bruiser and Wahoo McDaniel and put them in a Petri dish, this was the woman. Yikes. And, uh, she pissed us all off. Uh, just because, I mean, sure you take training seriously, but you're allowed to, if something, somebody goofs, you're allowed to laugh, you know? Mm. So she would get all uptight that like, you know, training with, you know, somebody would like do a sunset flip and that, you know, accidentally get pressed so hard they farted or something. And you're like, ha ha ha. Who was that somebody, Meanie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, that one wasn't on me. Okay. Uh, there, Al tells the story all the time where he was like staying on the top rope to do something at the school. And in our school, there's like these big fan, there's a huge fan with these big fan blades, like mm-hmm. almost like the size of a, airplane propeller and uh he was on the top rope and i'm sitting on a chair next to the ring i i let one go and it fucking made its way up to him (laughs) but the the force of the fart going up and the fan blowing it back down he fucking legit got like noodle legs and fucking had to like slowly (laughs) walk back down because or I would like if we're all in the ring and I had to fucking let one go, I'd fucking fart in one corner and do the Rick Steiner jog around the ring. <laughs> and just fucking, you see everybody fucking jumping out of the ring like they're trying to get out of the pool in the Caddyshack when they find the uh, the ch- chocolate bar floating in the pool living in it. third. I would just fucking gas people out just to fucking, you know, keep the mood light. But uh, yeah, back to the, the student from New Zealand. She, 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 she. Caused so much shit, you shit stir, and uh, one night we got mad and we took her eggs out of the fridge and just like threw them off the roof of the school, and the uh, the police came. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, throwing egg. I I think somebody got bored and threw a rock. Maybe that's what caused it. But uh, oh man, and the police come up to the school and they're like looking at us and um. They're looking for evidence and, um, <laughs> fucking Al's gym. We were the top two floors. I forget whether it was the fifth or sixth or sixth or seventh, whatever. There's like a part of the school where like birds would come in and like, <laughs> and the cops are walking around and they find like this bird nest and they're like, oh, I found the evidence and it's a fucking bird egg. I was like, dude, you just killed the bird. Oh my God. Uh, so Al got that call at like 2 a.m. Uh, that, you know, we were throwing eggs off the roof of the school and, uh, his wife had to talk us, talk Al into not murdering us because, you know, you know, Al had a sweet setup and yeah, we're a bunch of dumb fucking 20 year olds, you know, letting off steam at somebody who had annoyed us to death and this, uh, 
and that's my, you know, maybe my one brush with the the law, you know, as far as Lima, Ohio, the Lima goes, law, the Lima law, you know, you know, they, you know, Reno nine one one had nothing on Lima law, you know, so, <laughs> and then the guy's like, oh, I found the evidence. I was like, dude, that's a fucking, there's a bird nest up there. You compare eggs. Wow. Yeah, I'm not going to throw that in you. There's not going to be yolk all over the place, you know, <laughs> but I like Lima, Lima, <laughs> Lima was fun, man. For the year I spent there, it was just a uh, culture change, culture shock. It was everything's a little bit more slower there, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I was used to, you know, Philly, Jersey, and you just go there and, you know, and, and again, the students had already been there. We're standing there and like people watching me react to certain things, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, what? And they're like, yeah, it's Lima, you know, so. <laughs> Lima, I'd love to go back and have another QP burger, though. Yeah, that, that the fat guy in me, you know. Well, speaking of QP burger, as we said before, that was kind of the uh, the genesis of the Meanie Burger T-shirt was when you told that story, and I think that's a perfect opportunity to remind everybody that you can go to mindofthemeanie.com, which will take you directly to prowrestlingtees.com slash mindofthemeanie where you too can get that meanie burger shirt. Meanie's flexing while I'm doing this right now. Um, <laughs> Stretching just, me. <laughs> distracting me there. Um, Sexy that's, Yeah, that's why you can you can cut those sleeves attack. off. Oh, the heart <laughs> There's your next t-shirt that's coming, the Heart Attack Kid. That's why I was in ECW. We did the, me and Stevie did uh, Diesel and Sean oh, Michaels. Right. I, was, <laughs> I was Sean Michaels and they called me the Heart Attack Kid with big Stevie Pool. And I was dancing around going, sexy boy. It's on YouTube. Well, that shirt may or may not be coming uh, to Pro Wrestling Tees. But we can tell you what is at Pro Wrestling Tees, and that's the Mind of the Meanie Tee. That's the Pod Squad, which I think has taken over as our top seller. The Pod Squad t-shirt made to look like the old Job Squad logo. Uh, We have the mirrored BWO for OWD. Um, we talked a little bit about what you could do if you have an old world dick uh, with bluechew.com promo code meanie. Uh, we've got the uh, baby in a beanbag chair. Uh, we've got, I'm just going from memory here, but meanie, we've got some great shirts over there and we'd love for you to go check them out at prowrestlingtees.com slash mind of the meanie. But wait, there's more. The blue meanie has some great shirts uh, of just blue meanie and BWO merchandise. And those can be found at prowrestlingtees.com slash Blue Meanie. Meanie, tell us a little bit about what we can find over there. Uh, brand new to the prowrestlingtees.com uh, slash Blue Meanie stores, these uh, stylish Blue Meanie face masks, because now we're in the uh, apocalypse. Awesome. Uh, I just got a, a shipment in from, uh, well, not a shipment, uh, one for me, one for Mrs. Meanie, so we can look stylish in the apocalypse. So if you go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Blue Meanie, you get a BWO uh, face mask, so when you're out and about doing your uh, shopping in the apocalypse, so you can let people know that yeah, you like DCW. And, uh, <laughs> you know, also there's a like I said, Fred Lancello, an amazing shirt with the Blue Meanie traditional tattoo shirt, which has been uh, a, a good seller over there. And I you know, I appreciate Fred for the artwork. Awesome I appreciate shirt. everybody who's bought it and uh, stylized it for me and. Uh, you know, this, it's, it's cool to see one thing be made and it's cool. It's even cooler to see it out in the wild. So it's definitely cool to, uh, you know, for everybody who's you know, going to our Pro Wrestling Tea stores and, 
and and just supported me, supported the podcast, and supported you at prosentees.com slash so says sure enough, right? Oh, thank you very much. Correct. Yes, that's it. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that. Um, all proceeds go to me. Um, no, I, 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 uh, we've got some fun ones over there and also all kinds of gear and stuff like my mugs, uh, over at sosashernoff.com. Uh, but Hey, we cannot forget the collar and elbow brand. It is the wrestling brand. So you can go get all of their creative shirts over at collar and elbow brand.com. And if you use the, the, uh, promo code meanie, you will save 10%. They have some great stuff over there. Uh, I'm a big wrestling merchandise fan. I just love merchandise. Um, I, I It's why I have all these mugs. Because I just like anything, whether it's from our show, whether it's from my show, whether it's from somebody else's thing. I just love it. It makes you, it makes you feel good. And, uh, you know, and we appreciate everybody who has been going. It's been crazy. This week, I don't know. I actually looked to see if there was some sort of sale. Because this might have been the most sales we've had this week. Uh slash Mind of the Meanie, which is just awesome. We really appreciate that. And there was no sale. I was like, oh, somebody's using some sort of promo code or something. But nope, people are just, they're buying these shirts. Uh, Like I said, the Pod Squad shirt seems to be, that's the top seller, uh, at least this week. And... uh, but man, we just appreciate it. Uh, we love to see when you guys are posting your pictures. We make sure to retweet them. Um, but we love it, and we really appreciate it. Uh, it makes us feel really good to know that um, not only that you're supporting us in the show, which you know obviously goes out saying we appreciate that, but it makes us feel really good to know uh, you're not buying a shirt for a podcast you just kind of like. You know, clearly you're really enjoying what we're doing here, and that means the world to us because. At the end of the day, we're just trying to entertain you. Um, nobody wins if we don't entertain you. Uh, so that's kind of our goal here is to make you uh, to to take you out of the real world and just have some fun. Uh, and we love seeing these shirts. And and uh, I can't wait, Meanie, until we're able to go to conventions and see people in in public and actually see these shirts uh, live and in person. Um, yeah, and so to thank do you it, so much. It- do a little PSA on that, or uh, add a little bow to that. Uh, shout Tied out, to, sh- shout out to uh, Rod Hicks and Al Snow over to that uh, Collar and Elbow, doing a fantastic job. Uh, and like you said, promo code Meanie save ten percent. They're working hard through this pandemic, as are the Pro Wrestling Tees folks. And uh, somebody reached out to me. They're like, "How come uh, there's no you know Blue Meanie merch in the in the uh, Mine and the Meanie section?" But because every dime that you spend on the mind and the meanie pro wrestling tees page goes directly into helping us with production and all that stuff we don't get we don't draw a dime for that we put it right back into the show because uh i had no idea until you smartened me up to all that goes into putting this podcast up hosting it and advertising and all that stuff so whatever you go you know if you whatever dime you spend that you know, uh, the Mind and the Meanie Pro Wrestling Tees goes right in the Mind and the Meanie. Whatever you do for Josh goes to Josh. Whatever you do for me goes to me. Yep. Um, I mean, little things like, like honestly, you buy a shirt, sometimes that money that you spent on buying a shirt is what goes to paying an artist to create another shirt. So right. that's like, I mean, that's that's kind of what it, it comes to. And, and we're, you know, we're just uh, having a blast with it. So we appreciate it because it does allow us to do so many more things and the and the more shirts that we sell and the more money that comes in the more opportunities we have to do some more fun stuff uh for you guys but yeah like you said you know i've got my page you've got your page um and that's where you know um that's where the money goes to us uh which again don't get me wrong 
definitely appreciate that. That's awesome too. Uh, means the world to us. Um, but yeah, for Mind of the Meanie, that is go. That's why. Yeah, that's why we don't have strictly. Well, we don't have strictly Josh Chernoff merchandise there because no one would buy it. But we don't have Blue Meanie ber- merchandise. Strictly Blue Meanie merchandise. It's all stuff that kind of has to do with something from the podcast. Because uh, man, if you go to, to prowrestlingtees.com/slash uh, Blue Meanie. You will see, you can fill up an entire page with just Blue Meanie merchandise. So many awesome things. Um, and, uh, and there have been times where we thought about stuff. We've come up with fun ideas. And we're like, nah, that's more of a meanie thing. That's, a, that's, that's definitely a meanie thing. We'll put that on your page. Uh, but yeah, so I just jump in on that. Hey, uh, and you know what? We talk about Perestes. We talk about Collar and Elbow. Not only am I a part of these sites, but I'm also a customer. Uh, you know, I just recently bought a Dark Side of the Ring t-shirt, and I just bought a Tracy Smothers shirt. I mean, I could easily go out, hey, man, hook me up, like most pro wrestlers or whatever. You know, some not most, but some pros are looking for the, uh, the deal. No, I, I was like, you know what? Let me support the other pages. Uh, I went out and bought the Dark Side of the Ring shirt. I went out and bought a Tracy Smothers shirt because I love Tracy Smothers. And Tracy Smothers is uh, on some tough times with bad on cancer. So I was like, let me throw a couple coins in his pocket. So, um, And there's nothing better than it's like Christmas, man. When I get something from Pro and Tees or Collar and Elbow, I'll open up the bag with my shirts and just the smell of a brand new T-shirt coming out of that bag. It's just there's certain smells I love, whether it's opening up a fresh canister of coffee or a coffee being brewed or i love buying t-shirts and mrs meanie has been trying to get us to cut back on getting new shirts because <laughs> we're hoarders and our house is uh, i mean we don't have any like dead animals right we have it's all clothing we have so many clothes as opposed that, to all those other people who just have dead animals lying around their house well I, oh i've seen a and e hoarders <laughs> They're digging around. Oh, oh look. God. There's, there's a possum. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, I love getting new T-shirts. And uh, especially from Pro... And the quality is so good at Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah. Uh, Do yourself get, a favor and get that soft. Pay that extra two bucks or whatever it is and get oh that God. soft shirt. It, it's... You know, and we're telling you that honestly. We've said this on the show before. That's not. We don't get a penny of that extra money that goes towards the soft shirt. That goes. Oop. That goes specifically for that that higher end shirt. Uh, but just do yourself a favor, man. It is. It is so comfortable. That is. That's a shirt. Whatever you want to work out in that shirt. You want to just wear it around the house. You want to. Uh, you, you hop out of the shower and you're just gonna sit and watch some TV. Throw that shirt on. Oh, love them. I love those shirts. It's almost like you're wearing nothing, really. It's so comfortable and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, everybody's having a tough time. And, you know, Pro Wrestling Tees and Collar and Elbow both have been uh, trudging through this this time. And, uh, you know, still putting out quality products. So help support, you know, you know businesses like that. And, uh, you know, tell Meanie sent you. And uh, if you use the promo code Meanie at a collar and elbow save yourself a couple dollars too so yeah i I love both company you know you know you don't have to pick or choose you know i I support both equally and uh, i appreciate both companies because without them i i don't know where i'd be right now through this whole uh pandemic we're going through so i love both companies i respect both companies and uh i i i I suggest them highly because they're quality people quality products 
100% agree with you on that. Uh, so, Meanie, yeah, I mean, we did our sponsor. We plugged our merch. We asked you anything. Uh, I guess this is time for maybe like a Meanie moment. Maybe uh, uh, anything else you have to say before we wrap this, it up here? Uh, well, it all depends on when this airs, too, because uh, you got Baby Chernoff on the way. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Chernoff's in the shoot, ready to fucking make the debut. It's oh, man. It, the baby's in the gorilla position, <laughs> waiting for the cue. Yeah, and waiting for the curtain soap. <laughs> oh man, uh, uh, sorry. I just uh, listen. Sorry. I went. I went. The you know. I could not be more excited. Um, but having said that, I would like that baby to stay in there and, and cook as long as possible because, yeah. dude, I am not. You know, my Incubate. my my youngest is three years old. Um, and it feels like that newborn baby phase feels like a, a lifetime ago. And I just am like, I, I'm, you know what though, this is, you know, who's going to make out well from this, uh, the pod squad, because I am going to be sleep deprived for the foreseeable future when we're doing this show. And, uh, who knows what the hell is going to come out of my mouth. They're going to be, <laughs> I don't know how, I, I can't predict how many times there's going to be Meanie's going to like throw up like the flag on the screen and just be like, timestamp that dude. Do you have any idea what the hell you just said? And I'm gonna be like, Nope, <laughs> no idea. Cause I slept four, be, four minutes last night. You're going to be like Will Ferrell in the debate scene in uh, old school where you just <laughs> spit out stuff. And then all of a sudden you got to fucking hold on to a piece of furniture. <laughs> Said, yeah it's you it's, know it's gonna be something um but uh yeah no but um yeah any any thoughts or anybody we're, we're hoping that this is gonna air look at this point this baby's gonna air this baby's gonna come out uh sometime in the next two weeks and and uh so it's either you're listening to this as episode 12 or you're listening to this as episode 13 um so you know uh or yeah, I'm, or I'm replaying it for episode 14, 15, and 16 because I don't have the energy to do another show. Theater of the mind. Yep. Uh, just uh, wherever we're at, just uh, play along at home. Yep. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though, hopefully uh, by the time this airs, everything's uh, good in the world. Hopefully everything is just in the world. Uh, hopefully everybody's getting along. Uh, it's been like a hairy couple days here in Philly. Uh, you know, every night going to bed you're hearing helicopters and police sirens and uh explosions um it's been crazy uh and you know i've, I've texted you in private like man yeah i'm hearing explosions and stuff like that mm. and it's just been crazy uh, but uh i love philadelphia it's my city i just want my city to heal i want i love my country i want my country to heal uh but in better shape than it was before yep. you know there's a, a wound that's been reopened and uh uh, you know, there's people on both sides and everybody, everybody wants to find a way to find a common ground. And, uh, the only way to get to that common ground is not only by talking, but listening. And a lot of people focus not on the listening part. Everybody wants to be right. And, uh, there's, and there's, you know, people have been wronged and, there's nothing wrong with talking about it and having a discussion. And, uh, my goal is cause I have friends who are affected by this on both sides and, uh, you know, people I can, you know, call friends on both sides and I can see both sides of the coin, you know, not everybody's 
for the most part, everybody in the situation has, are good, are good, just people who are just trying to, you know, live their life and just not be fucked with, you know? So, uh, I just want my friends to find a common ground. I just want to, I mean, I'm there for the cause and stuff like that. You know, I mean, stuff needs to be done. There's no doubt. I'm not saying let's get this shit over just for the sake of getting this shit over with shit needs to be done. But, uh, hopefully when the, uh, the wound heals up, that's been torn apart in this country or reopened in this country, uh, hopefully when the country heals, more people are talking and, uh, communicating and listening to each other. Uh, I, I said before, I'll say again, I, I see you, I hear you and I love you. And I just want everybody to, uh, have a better life once we're on the other side of this. So I, uh, I saw a cartoon online that actually really had a, a very interesting point. They're going back and forth um, about, you know, it was um, some person saying black lives matter person saying, well, all lives matter. And then them explaining, well, yes, of course all lives matter, but we need to pay extra attention here um, right. because, because we're reminding people that black lives are part of the all lives, you know, black lives right. that they matter. And at the end of the cartoon of explain, it was a lot of like different things like that, making a point in the cartoon, the one guy saying, uh, he's like, Oh, well I'm kind of understanding this. He's like, but if I change my opinion, doesn't that kind of make me a hypocrite? And the other guy no. says, no, it doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you somebody who's grown as a person. And it ends with the guy holding up a, a black lives matter uh, sign. And I think that that's yeah. the thing. I think sometimes people get so defensive because they didn't, they've never considered themselves racist. They've never, you know, had an issue with somebody because of their race or because of their religion or because of whatever it was. So they instantly become defensive as though they're being accused of something. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think what they have to realize is this isn't about being accused. It's about the fact that you didn't get it that you didn't understand it. And sometimes right. that's okay that you didn't understand it as long as you're willing now to, as you said, listen and start to understand. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I didn't, I didn't get this. Can you please explain it to me? Because I want to understand, I wanna know what's going on, and I wanna help fix this. Um, the, the only problem is when you say, yeah, I don't get it, I don't, I don't care, I don't wanna hear about it. That right. to me, that, that's when it becomes the problem, but... Uh, you know, so so that's just that's my my uh, my thought on that, and I agree with you completely with what you're saying. And uh, and yeah, man, by the time we get back uh, after this airs, um, man, just just I feel like how many how many weeks in a row are we just saying be good to each other, stop, uh, you know? Yeah, and, and like I said, this uh, I don't want this I don't want this uh, podcast to be about politics, religion, or anything, mm -hmm. but just let's let's have some human decency. Yeah. You know, yep. you know, I have friends in law enforcement I love dearly and I know the struggles they go through and their, their concerns are real. Mm -hmm. I have friends in the African-American community, black community, and I understand their concerns. And both both sides are bright, you know, in their positions. I mean, you know, uh, uh, both sides leave the house wondering if they're going to come home alive, yeah. you know. 
whether a cop or you're an African-American in America, you both leave the home praying that you come home alive. And it shouldn't have to be that way. No. You know, you should be uh, you know, an African-American, an African-American, and you shouldn't have to worry about coming home alive. And if you're a police officer, you you should have the right to come home alive. But uh, we need to have some kind of middle ground and meet. And, you know, like I said, I, I had an issue in high school where not on any level like this, but uh, a guy said something to me and I, I said something really shitty back. And he kind of got my face and was angry and hurt. And I counted to 10, counted to 20. I went, you know what? I was wrong. Fuck it. I was wrong. And uh, I apologized. And just that apology opened up a gate to a, a great friendship. You know, we, we were kind of, you know, acquaintances in high school. But just the fact that I was a man enough to say, hey, I was wrong in the situation, uh, gave him a greater appreciation of where I stood as a person. And I uh, understood where he was coming from. So, yeah, I don't want to be on a fucking soapbox because I don't want to be preachy. But, you know, I say it. I say I just want people to I just want people to get along, man. Just it's a whole, you know, it's the the one bad apple spoils the the bunch like that. That's the thing we we have seen. um, You can pick every race, every religion, every occupation. And I'm sure you can find someone who has done something terrible. Every it's, crew. it's not it's not fair right. to you know to damn one person or one 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 uh, race or one religion or one occupation because somebody else has done something. It's not fair. Every these are all different human beings, different moral codes, and different lives, and people need to be treated as such. Right. Every group has their. Uh... They're uh, quadrants of uh, shitheads. Yep. You know, I, you know, uh, <laughs> one time I was coming back uh, from uh, Canada in the States. I was uh, first breaking in. Uh, what was your uh, business in uh, Canada? Oh, uh, you know, professional wrestling. Uh, are you on steroids? <laughs> I was like, do I look like I'm on steroids? <laughs> To which they said, please pull over. But, uh, yeah. you know, just, you know, every, there's stereotypes and everything and not all of them, not all of them are, are right, you know? And, uh, dude, let's, you know, I, I've, I've, I've gone on enough of a tangent. We'll, uh, wrap this up, but I just want, you know, I want everybody to heal and heal. And I want them to find themselves in better shape. They were before everything happened. So. Well, that about does it for us here, Meanie. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. I think you you uh, you got a really good one here. I think we had a lot of fun, a lot of really cool, uh, interesting conversation. Uh, and and thank you all. Thank you, the Pod Squad. This was your episode. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking these questions. Uh, continue to ask your questions. Hashtag Ask Meanie. Uh, we always love to throw some Ask Meanie on the end of a, of an episode. Um, but this was, I think this went really well and I think we'll definitely have to, have to do this again. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media at mind of the meanie. 
across the board. And while you're at it, give us a follow as individuals. We would love that. Uh, the Meanie can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blue Meanie BWL. I'm at Sosa Chernoff on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to visit mindofthemeanie.com to take you directly to ProSNTs com slash mind of the meanie and get our great shirts over there of course prowrestlingtees.com slash blue meanie and collar and elbow brand.com promo code meanie thank you to our sponsor blue chew promo code meanie save 20 percent or i'm sorry don't save 20 percent get it free what am i saying get it free just five dollars shipping get it absolutely free that's even better than saving 20 percent uh for the blue meanie i am josh chernoff Join us again next time for another trip into the mind of the meaning. The world of MLW Radio never stops. <laughs>